Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We can look at the paper trail and we can say, ha this election was falsified. We know this. We can track this down. It would take some effort, but it can be done. Digitally, you can't prove diddly. Right? So maybe we need a non-digital evidence of our votes uh, that, that we've cast in order to create the paper trail that can be followed to see who really wins our elections and inhibits hackers, government agencies, criminals, Soros, from meddling in our, in, in our elections. Yes, it'll take a little bit longer to count the votes. I understand that won't be as instantaneous as the computer, but it's not going to be subject to the kinds of problems that they are considering right now. What do you think, Melody? Should we go to a non-digital election format? We should. I, I, think it's, I think it's actually a pretty good idea. I think it's the sort of thing where you write the problem is, the fundamental problem with hackers is they can hack into anything digital. Huh? And you want to protect something from the hackers, you've got to probably keep it in a form that is not digital. They can't hack into reality. They can't hack into the paper. Just the, it's just the sheets of paper. Right? Likewise, they can't hack into gold coins. They can hack into bank accounts. They can't hack into digital. They, they can hack into digital bank accounts. They can't hack into gold coins. This is a consistent lesson with what we see. This even goes to when we start having a digital election where we can't be sure about the votes count, this is not so far removed from our notion of fiat currency. We have some digital currency coming floating around. About 80% of our transactions are made with digital currency, meaning credit cards. Huh? I mean, we are living in a digital world, and it is convenient and it offers opportunity for great profits, and it also oper- uh, offers opportunities for enormous thefts that are very difficult to detect, hard to prove. Uh, so I'm just saying maybe we need to start thinking about this digital universe we're living in right now. And if you've got things you really want to protect, like your wealth or your votes, Maybe they need to be in a non-digital format. Okay, Melody, now it's your turn. Well, you know, you first started out with um, talking about Facebook, and I believe one of their satellites um, didn't get up into the sky. It caught on fire, so they lost one of their satellites, and um, so... You know, that's a little bit of a payback. I'm not sure how much those satellites cost, but uh, I'm sure they're, um, I'm sure they're not inexpensive by any means. So, but yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's a payback or I mean, <laughs> we are living in a digital world and it's a strange place, and every bit of us is vulnerable. 
the information that you folks give to Facebook or any of the other social media, all of this is being combined and assembled. Or again, a psychiatrist in the story we're talking about, Facebook is recommending she contacts her, her patients as potential friends. Somehow they've put an alg algorithm together where they know that her phone number associates with these people's phone number, and they're saying, why don't you call them and get, get them to sign up for Facebook? It is amazing what people put on Facebook. Uh, no, no. It's just shocking. And <sighs> what's your phone number? Give them your cell phone. You go to any other website in the world and give them your phone, give them your cell phone, and more than likely, Facebook will almost instantly have an association between Facebook and you and that new website. You give them this common information, they can look for these common, you use the same password. Uh, and, you know, you may use a password for safe, uh, for, for, for uh, Facebook, you have another passport, pass, you have another you need this. You may be using the same password for your Yahoo email account, just out of convenience. As soon as they see those common denominators, bang! The computers automatically hook them together, and they can create a profile of you. Huh? It's far and, more extensive than you may be you able to I, recognize on your own. You and I had a little bit of a disagreement not too long ago about you. You think no. you were signing? No, signing up for something that. Oh, it can't be hacked. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. If you're on the Internet, no matter what's on there, it is not private. It can be hacked, period. Same thing with your bank accounts. Yep. Uh, if you want to store your wealth, you need to think okay. twice about keeping it in a digital format. We're out of time. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you'll tune in at that time. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. All night I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? And still there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dreams, I have a plan. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd fool around and have a
The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time, I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserve or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
Good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Friday, September 2nd, 2016. It is about seven minutes after noon Pacific time. If that's when it is where you're at, we are, in fact, live. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number, and it's your last chance this week to call into this show. So if you were thinking about it, think faster, get dialing, 800-932-1980. Or if you don't want to call in, you'd rather just, uh, you want to participate but you don't want to call in, you can go to the website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. And uh, there you go. You'll see the... Uh, AVRN chat link. If you're signed up, you can get in. Uh, if you're not, you'll have to send me an email. Okay? That's uh, where we're at with that. Anyhow, so there you go. There it is. Uh, everything else you need to know about the network is on the website, too. The archives, the schedule, everything else. Now, I told you that I'd uh, be making an announcement. And I am. Uh, starting Monday, this show will no longer be at this time slot. Okay? We uh, have a new host coming on board with a two-hour show starting at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, the show, I, I'm not sure what it's going to exactly be called, but uh, the, the host's name is Doc Green. And uh, he's a political commentator, and he will be commentating on politics and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. And that'll be a two-hour show, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m., starting on, uh, well, Pacific time, 11 a.m. Pacific. He's out of Texas, so they're on a different time zone out there. But that's what it is out here, and I guess that would be 11, uh, 12, 1, 2 o'clock uh, Eastern. So starting Monday, that'll be that. Now, I'm not sure where I'm moving my show to. Oh, I'll, I'll still be doing uh, plenty of radio. Uh, but you're going to have to check the schedule, and not right now, because I don't even know. Okay, I don't even know where I'm moving to. All right? I'm probably going to move all over the place and just... Uh, you know, do that for a while. I'll still do the night show. Uh, but, well, I think I'll still do the night show. Unless there's a two-hour slot somewhere in the day, I might just do a one two-hour show uh, one day a week or something or a couple days a week. or I don't know how many days a week. See, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'll do something. I'll be on the radio, so there's no worries there. And, and look, if it's sometime when... Oh, man, you know, I can't listen at that time. Well, we have archives. You can always go to the archives and listen to it and, uh, you know, at your own leisure. Because, you know what, most of you don't call in anyway. So will you care? I mean, really, that's the only difference between a live show and a recorded show, uh, other than, you know, being up on, okay, what's going on right now? If you wait a couple of days, it might be old news, like Hillary Clinton scandal stuff. You know, a couple of days, man, that's all old news. She's on to the next scandal. She's three scandals ahead of that, you know? I mean, but other than that, 
really the only thing is, you know, you don't get to call in when you listen uh, in the archives. But you don't call in mo- much anyway, so what's it matter? That's the nice thing about the archives. Anyhow, so there you go. All righty. Uh, what's wrong here? Oh, okay, so I'm having um, a computer issue. Not with the show or anything, but just uh, with, you know, my other computer. The one I'm actually uh, going to try to read news stories on. We'll see, huh? Oh, man. All right, well, let's get to things and stuff here. You should like this. We'll start off with a another Clinton uh, thing. Every day, man, every day there's some kind of, uh, you know... <laughs> unbelievable criminality going on with Hillary Clinton that needs to be reported on. Uh, Look, a lot of people would say, well, you know, you complain about the mainstream media bashing Trump all the time, and you're bashing Hillary all the time. You're just the same or the opposite, though, that's all. Well, that's somewhat true. I mean, I, I can I can get that. I can take that criticism, and I can acknowledge it and say, well, yeah, you know, to a certain extent, you're right. I do that. Uh, I am against Hillary Clinton. I am oppositional against the Democratic Communist Revolution. Okay? I am. The difference between the mainstream media bashing Trump and me bashing Hillary Clinton is I'm bashing Hillary Clinton with actual crimes. Okay? I'm criticizing her for breaking the law, for committing treason, for killing people. Okay? That's what I'm criticizing Hillary Clinton for. I'm not criticizing, you know, I'm not criticizing Hillary Clinton because she hasn't released her tax forms. I don't give a darn about her taxes. Who cares? I don't care about Donald Trump's taxes any more than I do hers. Oh, let's see your tax return. Who the hell cares? And what else? Uh, Oh, he's a racist. Why? Because he's never mentioned anything racial about anybody? He just wants to build a wall on the southern border because illegal aliens are criminal rapists and murderers? Well, I'm sorry, that's a true statement. It's not true for everybody, but no statement is. But how many Americans... Listen, if one American gets killed or raped by an illegal alien that was allowed to come in this country by an executive order from the commander and freak, that's one too many. And they should go to prison for it, and so should Barack Obama for signing that executive order, because it was his pen that, ki- that killed that person. Because if the Border Patrol were allowed to enforce the existing laws, like the President of the United States swore an oath to do, that illegal alien wouldn't have been in this country. So Barack Obama is an accessory to murder. And Hillary Clinton's just right along with him. She wants to do more. I want to let more Mexicans in. I want to get more Syrian refugee Muslim savages in here. 
And if any of you believe anything she says about, oh, yes, I want to secure the border, I want stronger immigration, I'll BS. Once she gets in there, she'll go, oh, sure. She also said, let's not forget what she also said. And here's the thing about, oh, yes, so the mainstream says, well, uh, gee, Donald Trump, uh, let's see, 10 years ago, you said you were for a woman's right to an abortion. And now you're saying, you know, abortion's a bad idea and it really needs to be dealt with. He didn't say make it illegal or anything like that. He somewhat supports Planned Parenthood. You know, he thinks that they they supply other medical treatment to women, which is BS. They're an abortion mill, plain and simple. That's all they do. Oh, sure. They'll do the token uh, oh, yeah, well, let's radiate your breasts a few million times. Oh, look, you got cancer now. Well, you radiate your breasts enough times, and I guarantee you, you'll get cancer. That's another service they give to the women. So, woohoo, yay. You know, so Donald Trump's not right about everything either, but he has changed his view a little bit. And they hammer him over it. So what, over 10 years you can't modify your view? I mean, it's not like he's completely flip-flopped like Hillary Clinton said, oh yes, marriage is between a man and a woman, but now, oh no, homos getting married is what she's all for. Oh yeah, I'm for a strong immigration policy. Oh no, not anymore. Now it's open borders all the way. See, she hasn't modified her position. She has completely flipped it around because she was lying in the first place. She was only saying those things to get elected or to get her husband elected. That's all. She's just a stinking liar. So when I criticize Hillary Clinton, I'm criticizing her on facts of crimes and lies. I'm not making up things. Uh, she's a bigot. Well, she actually is a bigot. Hey, let me ask you something. Have you seen any pictures of Donald Trump and his wife dressed up in blackface? You haven't? Well, that's okay, because you can go online and see pictures of Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton dressed up in blackface, having a good old time mocking the blacks of America at a costume party. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Oh, sing Mammy to me, Hillary, would you? That would be nice. Yet, Trump's the racist? The Democratic Party called them Taco Bowl voters. Oh, they didn't want you to know that because this was in their secret emails that got hacked. Yeah. Yeah, so you Mexicans out there, you think the Democratic Party likes you? They call you Taco Bowl voters. Now, Trump's campaign is mocking that by having something called Operation Taco Bowl. But it's not done by the Trump campaign. It's done by a group of Latinos for Trump who are out there trying to, you know, talk to other Latinos and tell them, hey, man, you know, <laughs> you might not like Trump, but the Democratic Party is just using you as a fool. And they're calling it Operation Taco Bowl. And they're doing it to highlight, hey, why, you know, I mean, okay, consider yourself a Latino. 
So you're a Latino, and you go up to your other Latino friends and you say, hey, who are you voting for? And they go, well, uh, you know, I guess we'll have to vote for Hillary because we can't vote for that racist. What do you mean? Well, he wants to deport all the Mexicans. No, he wants to deport all the illegal aliens. And by the way, you know, we're with Operation Taco Bowl. Why in the world will you call it that, man? What are you trying to diss us? I mean, you're a Latino yourself. What's the matter with you? Why would you do this? That gives you the opportunity to explain to them, well, actually, the name, we didn't make up the name. Uh, we took it from Hillary Clinton's emails. That's why we're calling it Operation Taco Bowl, because, see, the Democratic Party calls all Latinos Taco Bowl voters. So we figured we'd call this Operation Taco Bowl to get all the Latino voters to vote for Trump instead. And then we could explain why we're calling it Operation Taco Bowl. It was Hillary's idea, actually. Oh. Yeah. So who's the racist here? And who's the sexist? Everything Hillary Clinton, when she always falls back on, oh, well, yeah, I might not be that competent, I might not be that healthy, I might not be that smart, I may be a criminal, I may be that, but hey, I have a vagina. So you should vote for me because, well, I've got a vagina. Well, folks, you know what? That's sexist. That's like me getting up there saying you should vote for me because I got a schlong here, and uh, that's the only reason you need to vote for me. I'm a man. What? People would go crazy. They would say, you, misogynist, sexist, pig, you. And you know what? They might be right. So let's see. So far, Hillary's a bigot, and she's a sexist. Hey, what else can we pile on there? And you see... I am using facts of what she has done and what she has said to demonstrate my statements. I'm not just saying, oh, she's a racist because uh, she thinks the United States should secure its borders from illegal entry. How do you correlate racism with that? Huh? Now, you may, maybe... You could stretch that and say, well, you're a nationalist. You might be able to get away with that, but I haven't heard Hillary Clinton accuse Donald Trump of being a nationalist. I'm waiting for that, because that will backfire in her big, fat, stupid, puffed-up, old, decrepit, about-to-die face. Okay? Go ahead and call him a nationalist. And the rest of the country will start doing the wave. Yeah! Look, Americans are proud of being American. America was a pretty good place for a pretty long time. And everybody sees it's turned to crap. And it's turned to crap because of policies from communists in positions of power in the United States government. And there is no other way to call them anything else. No, they don't have differing views. They don't have a different way. No, they are promoting the communist revolution. I'm telling you, folks, you need to read a book. A good place to start because it's a real short book and an easy read is Psychopolitics by Beria. It's online. You can download it. You can look at it. You can read it right online. Psychopolitics, 
And that's just the start. Once you read that, go do a search on the Worldwide Communist Revolution. Look that up and start reading about that. And you'll go, holy smokes, this sounds like our government. Ah, wait, wait a minute. This sounds like the Democratic Party and all the rhinos. Because that's who they are. That's what a globalist is. See, we call them globalists. But they're really communists. Globalism is the worldwide communist revolution. And if you read about it, you'll figure that out because you'll go, well, okay, what do they want? And they list what they want. What do they want to accomplish? They list what they want to accomplish. And you'll look around and you'll go, holy smokes, they're accomplishing it. So if they say, hey, this is what we want from the worldwide communist revolution, and you look around and you find that, oh, look, all your elected officials are pushing the agenda that these communists said they wanted from the worldwide communist revolution. Get it? Anyway, more Hillary Clinton stuff. Hillary Clinton told the FBI she did not recall all the briefings she received on handling sensitive information as she made the transition from her post as U.S. Secretary of State due to a concussion suffered in 2012, according to a report. Bureau of Investigation released a summary of the July 2nd interview it conducted with the Democratic presidential candidate, as well as other details of its investigation and her use of private email server while heading the State Department. Clinton, who is challenging Republican Donald Trump for the White House, uh, has been dogged by the fallout from her private email account for more than a year. Republicans have repeatedly attacked Clinton over the issue helping drive opinion polls to show that many U.S. voters doubt her trustworthiness. <laughs> that is about the most favorable way to phrase that statement. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. U.S. voters doubt her trustworthiness. Most U.S., most people in America, most people in the world view Hillary Clinton as a lying bitch, okay? Pardon my French. But I'm sick of this flowery little BS, oh, U.S. doubters doubt her trustworthiness. Oh, give me a break. Nobody believes a word she says. Clinton has said that in hindsight, she regretted using a private email system. No, she regrets being caught using a private email system. She doesn't regret using it. She regrets being caught. The report said, Clinton said she received no instructions or direction regarding the preservation of or production of records from the State Department during the transition out of her role as Secretary of State in 2013. However, in December of 2012, Clinton suffered a concussion. You know, when she fell down, went boom for God knows why. And then, around the new year, had a blood clot in her head. Based on her doctor's advice, she could only work at the state for a few hours a day and could not recall every briefing she received. 
Okay. Could not recall every briefing she received, yet she says she received no instructions or direction. Well, she may have. And you know what? Hey, if I am deemed to have to know the law because, oh, ignorance of the law is no defense, okay, well, if you're going to be Secretary of State, it's your duty to go through the rules and find out what your job is. Nobody has to come and hold your hand and brief you, because if you're that lame, then you got no business being in any job whatsoever, okay? But she lied again. Nobody told me. But then she says, oh, I can't remember every briefing. Maybe it was one of those briefings that they told her, oh, hey, guess what, Hillary? Here's a news flash. okay? You're not allowed to take classified national secrets and just put them out over email like on Yahoo or whatever, okay? She didn't know that? She was a senator for crying out loud. She spent eight years as first lady. She must have overheard somebody say at least once that, oh, by the way, you're not allowed to just give whoever you feel like it classified documents. That's why they're classified. She must have heard that somewhere along the line, huh? I mean, hey, I even know that, and I've never been involved in the government. How about you? Do you know that, hey, top secret classified government secrets are not to be just put on Google or something? I know that. How come she didn't know that? Oh, because nobody told her. I see. According to the report, Clinton told the FBI that she did not set up a private email server in her bathroom. Huh, I'm adding that. To sidestep the law requiring her to keep her business communications a matter of public record. Of course not. So why did you do it? Clinton has claimed it was public knowledge to many State Department employees. Oh, yeah, well, that's not okay, Hillary. Here, guess what? Just because a few State Department shill employees that are too afraid to ever say anything about you, around you, or about you in their work because they don't want to lose their jobs because you're a vicious maniac that might even throw an ashtray at their head or something if they say anything, just because they know, that doesn't make it public knowledge, okay? But she claims it was public knowledge to many State Department employees that she was using a private server because they received emails from her email domain. But State Department employees interviewed by the FBI said many emails from Clinton appeared to be from H and did not show her private email domain. The documents also show that Clinton contracted former Secretary of State Colin Powell contacted in 2009 to ask about his use of a personal BlackBerry phone. In his reply to Clinton via email, Powell told Clinton to be very careful because the work-related email she sent on her BlackBerry could become public record. I got around it all by not saying much and not using systems that captured the data, Powell said. I got around it? Oh, so Colin Powell, again, so what do we have? Nothing but criminals in the government? Their, their whole goal in life is to get around the rules? 
I got around it all by not saying much and not using systems that captured the data. In other words, all of Colin Powell's criminal activity, he did face-to-face. The FBI released its report Friday afternoon before the Labor Day holiday weekend, a time many Americans are planning on traveling. I'm surprised they didn't release it tomorrow, when nobody will catch it. (laughs) You know, I mean, honestly, this is their way. If you ever notice that, folks, any big controversial things, you look at the New York Times and the Post and stuff, any of that stuff will get all the... Put out on on Saturday when nobody gets the nobody gets a Saturday paper, but they put it there so they can say, "Oh well, we reported on it." Yeah, we reported on it. Uh, you know, just because you didn't know that we reported, we told you. You didn't see it. Your fault. Got to take a break. We'll be back in a bit. Never stop rocking till the moon went down. You know it sounds so sweet. I gotta take me eight man. Rolled out of my feet. You know I had to dance. Started moving my feet. Oh, clapping my hands. But she kept on rocking, going round and round. Oh, baby, what a crazy sound.
is their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time, I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserved or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. And it is still Friday, September 2nd, 2016, 12.42 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. And uh, to remind you all, starting Monday, this show, the Frank Report, will not be in this time slot. There will be a new show. Starting an hour earlier, going two hours, uh, I believe it's going to be called The Amazing Doc Green Show. Okay, but I'm not sure. But Doc Green is the guy who's going to be doing it, so he'll be on Monday, 11 a.m. Give it a listen. It should be good, folks. It'll be on five days a week. Okay, so got a new show for two hours, expanding our schedule. And don't worry, I will find some place for me to be. Okay, it's not a, it's really not a problem. Okay, I mean I can, uh, I can always find an open spot somewhere where I can fit in. You know. Anyway, you just I don't know where that's going to be though, folks. So, you know, I uh, I can't tell you. I would tell you, but I can't because I don't know. Uh, let's get on to some things and stuff because we're running out of time we're running out of week and there's things you need to know the national science foundation is spending roughly half a million dollars to combat wait for it folks online trolling yeah half a million bucks online trolling oh boy hey who hasn't said, oh my, I wish the government would do something about this online trolling? I mean, isn't that what you and all your friends talk about all the time? I mean, hey, you know, they should really spend like half a million bucks combating, not getting rid of, but just combating online trolling. But that's not what they're doing, folks. So let's read on because this is just a cover, okay? This is just a stinking cover by a shill from the Washington Beacon, and, and it's by Elizabeth Harrington. And I'm sure maybe they mean well by letting you know about this, and it's good. But, you know, it's not about online trolling. A joint project by Northwestern and Northeastern Universities is examining how to create trolling-free environments on the Internet. The researchers define online trolls as those who try to influence public opinion by boosting misleading and inauthentic comments. Wow, that's pretty open-ended. That's pretty subjective, huh? Misleading and inauthentic. What is an inauthentic comment? I guess if a robot makes it, or a, what, did I say robot? I meant bot. Today, almost every browsing click that users make is collected by numerous trackers associated with a variety of online services, a grant for the project states. Users have often expressed concern about the lack of privacy and control over their personal data. Nonetheless, despite a substantial effort to expose and control this prevalent behavior, the reality is that users keep accepting updated online privacy policies, which in turn grant the gathering of more personal data. The project explores reusing this extensive tracking infrastructure for the benefits of both the users themselves and the web services with a goal of preventing online trolling. These are scenarios in which various groups deploy tactics to influence public opinion on the Internet by leaving biased, uh-oh, biased 
So uh, we're going to have to shut down CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, everybody. We're going to have to shut down the mainstream media because they have admitted that they are biased. They have admitted that they have done everything they can to help Hillary Clinton. They have admitted. Oh, and the Washington Times, add them to it, too. Shut down their website because they have admitted we hired 20 people just to slam Donald Trump. That's biased, folks. Hey, the Democratic National Party, the Republican National Party, take down their websites. They're biased. Biased? False, misleading, and inauthentic comments, and then artificially amplifying their ratings. Okay, well, I think that's wrong. You know, and that they should, people should be able to take, you know, web services should be able to stop that. I mean, they have the ability to, to keep people from artificially amplifying their ratings, you know, except for the most sophisticated hackers. And I don't think sophisticated hackers are wasting their time you know, leaving comments to try to sway public opinion. You know, they're breaking into the State Department. They're not worried about what you think on FedBook. The leading researchers of, on the project, Northwestern University's Alexander Kuzmanovic and Northeastern's University Alan Mislove, told the Washington uh, Beacon that their work could help combat troll armies. Hey, Troll armies used by Russia and China. All right, well, that's as far as I'm going with this because it goes on from there and makes it very clear this is another layer of building the foundation that Russia, Russia, Russia is a bad guy. Well, they added China here too, but it's mainly Russia if you notice. Now, speaking of, listen, folks, you really got to stop sending your children to college. You really have to sit them down and explain to them why you will not support them going to college. Now, you know, look, man, once they're 18 years old, you know, they can do what they want as long as they do it somewhere else. Okay? That's what my father basically told me is that, hey, you know, when you're 18, you know, you, you're out of here, man. And he wasn't being mean or anything. He told me, hey, you, you need to get out there and, and get your own life going. You know, this is my, your, this is my, your mother and my life, okay? When you're 18, you got you to gotta jump in the pool and get out there and do your own life. And you can't do it here because this is our life. Okay, you got to go make your own life. And, and, you know, so that was that. And your kids, too. But, you see, you, you don't have to pay for their college. You don't have to support them. You don't have to say that's a good idea. You can tell them something along these lines. Listen, folks, if you're prepared to spend 50 grand sending your little darling off to college, why don't you consider telling your kid, listen, I got 50 grand right here. Okay? But I'm not, I, I refuse to release it to send you to college for some worthless paper degree in some worthless paper pushing, you know, scam job. 
If you want to go to a trade school, I'll pay for it. If you want to invest in something and become an entrepreneur, start your own business, I will pay for it. I got 50 grand here that I will support your endeavors. But anything, well, not anything, but anything I want, anything I agree with, because, hey, folks, Parents, listen to me. It's your $50,000. You have a right to decide, hey, no, sorry, Junior, I don't agree with that decision. So, you know, hey, you can do what you want when you're 18. I can't stop you. I can just tell you I don't agree with your decision, and I'm not paying for it. Now, if you want to do this over here, this long list of things that I, I will support, I'll help you out financially. You have that obligation, folks, because, listen, I was 18, and I was pretty sure I knew everything at that point, okay? And so did all my friends. We all thought we were pretty smart. We thought we were really smart. As a matter of fact, we were absolutely sure we were smarter than our parents. Uh, well, guess what? Now I'm 55 years old, and uh, I've come to the realization, well, no, I really wasn't. I was still a child who knew virtually nothing about, well, virtually nothing, thinking I did, okay? I was wrong, but at the time, I didn't know I was wrong, and neither do they now, and it's not their fault. It's just because they're young and dumb, and that's the way it is, and so are we, but you know what? What does the Bible say? You know, when you were a child, you did things like a child. But now you're grown up, you have to put away those things. And grow the hell up. That's your job as a parent. You're not your kid's sugar daddy. You're not your kid's pal. You're not your kid's friends. You're their parents. They don't know it, but they depend on you to keep them on the straight and narrow. To tell them when, uh, that's a stupid idea there, Junior. Oh, well, okay, you're 18 and you can legally do what you want, but I'm not helping you. This is your obligation, folks, and you better start realizing college is a bad plan. Here's another example. Non-negotiable list of expected beliefs about diversity and inclusion. That's right, calling the University of Nebraska-Lincoln a place of value that values acceptance. The institution kicked off the fall semester with its newly installed chancellor, essentially telling new students they should not say or do things that might be offensive or cause people to feel disrespected, calling the stance non-negotiable. We insist on a culture of respect, and we recognize that words and actions really matter. Chancellor Ronnie Green said during a speech at the new student convocation on August 19th, while suggesting the university values free speech and freedom of expression, Green, who told, took the helm of UNL this summer, went on to declare, we do not tolerate actions of hate and disrespect. Well, guess what, folks? Uh, speech is not an action. All right? Let's, 
let's make sure we draw a real hard black line between actions and speech. They are not the same. And if anybody tells you they are, they're full of crap. Actions are actions. That's when you do something. Speech is when you say something. They're not the same. You would think a university chancellor would know that, but apparently he's a lying sack of crap who's just trying to push an agenda. The policy being called by campus leaders a set of belief statements on diversity and inclusion. Green's comments come as some as Christianity and conservatism, even support of Donald Trump is accused of being intolerant, hateful, and a racist on campuses nationwide. So they have the whole educational system, the whole college system of the United States teaching children you can't vote for Donald Trump. It's hateful. We'll kick you out of college if you do. Wow. Green, of course, did not define, neither in his speech or the written policy underscoring it, what an action of disrespect might be, leaving it widely open to interpretation. The vague set of beliefs also comes at a time when accusations of microaggressions or unintentional slights, some interpret as racist acts, have a vice grip on universities. We all share in the responsibility to create positive culture here and to safeguard equity, inclusion, diversity, and respect, Green continued in his speech. We take action when we observe something or someone being treated unfairly or in a demeaning manner. It's our core belief as a university here at the University of Nebraska. It's non-negotiable. That's who we are. Well, you know what? Send your kids somewhere else. Take your money somewhere else. Now listen to this. The belief statements also come as the university announces a new assistant vice president for diversity, access, and inclusion. Stancia Withholm Jenkins. Yeah, okay. I wonder, mm, I wonder who that might be. If you can't express yourself respectfully, shut up. That's a quote. At least one critic rebuked the policy, saying it means students are no longer allowed to dissent from progressive ideas. Chancellor Green has informed UNL's new students that the UNL has a non-negotiable list of expected beliefs about matters of diversity and inclusion. In other words... Here in the UNL community, we encourage you to speak up. But if you say the wrong thing, we will not tolerate it. And we will decide what the wrong thing is. Feel free to, public, feel free to politely criticize the ideas of ISIS or the Ku Klux Klan, for example. But make sure not to show any disrespect much less hatred for any group, individual, or ideology. No, you can't hate Satanism. You can't hate child molesters. You can't hate abortionists. You can't hate any of those at the University of Nebraska. If you can't express yourself respectfully, shut up. Yeah. Wow. 
that's a big stretch from the universities of uh, the past in America where free speech was something that, you know, was embraced. Not anymore. Man, uh, you know, I, I it just... All right, well, there are many stories coming out now. And, you know, hey, I was on the leading edge of this because, well... I looked at I mean, I, I just, you see it. It's right there. Now everybody's seeing it. Here's the headline. I don't I can't get to the story. I'm running out of time. In the next two months, this country is going to be rocked. Globalists going for broke to steal U.S. election for Hillary as America begins the final countdown. Yep. Here's another story about a SWAT team raids an unarmed man's house and kills him over. Two grams of marijuana. All the neighbors say he's a real nice guy. Never caused any trouble. Blah, blah, blah. You see what I mean? You know, this is why I am not slamming that guy for criticizing the police. You know, I'm not even really criticizing Black Lives Matter all that much other than they need to pull their head out of their behind and realize that it's not just black people. As a matter of fact, three times more white people get shot by police every year than black people. Do you know that? Uh, you know, and it's just, it's everybody. It's police brutality on everybody. And just to carve out your race, well, is, well, racist. Anyway, and I think it's fine as long as we can have white lives matter, but we can't and uh, because it's a hate group. Yeah. Anyhow, I got to go. I'll see you uh, Monday, Monday evening for sure. And uh, thanks for listening. The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. 
afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Adisk. Um, well, let me change that around. It isn't a typical Friday. It's uh, going into the holiday weekend. Um, so my co-host, Alfred Adisk, will be joining James Corbett of the Corbett Report here right after the first segment of today's program. Um, old habits are hard to break sometimes. So let's get started anyway with the market report for Friday, September 2nd, 2016. And once again, you're listening to Financial Survival, and I'm Melody Cedarstrom. I was just looking outside for the clouds of the hurricane or the tropical storm, Hermine, Hermine. You say tomato, I say tomato. Um, as she's approaching the, the northeast, and uh, the clouds were getting a little thick out there, and I thought, well, maybe it is arriving a little bit sooner than they had expected, but that doesn't have anything to do with the program today. So for all of you who will, in, who will be in the path of the tropical storm, be safe out there. You don't take any chances. Uh, gold today, of course, uh, U.S. payrolls uh, uh, grew, but at a slower pace. And with that, we had a little bit of a stronger gold price today, up 990 at 1324 and with a slower pace in the payrolls, it deems that she won't raise rates, so therefore gold went up. Even if she does raise rates, gold is going to go up. She raised rates in December, and we've had a high uh, increase of gold of, what, 30% at one point in time? We're currently at, what, 26%? So, hey, raise the rates. You know, let's get another 30% out of gold before the year end. Silver was up 49 cents at 19.44. Platinum was up $14 at 1,064. Palladium was up 8 at 677. The USDX today was a little bit strong, 0.22 at 95.85. Crude oil was up 1 at 111. No one's working today. Everything closed early. Markets were open, but... Um, you know, only only those in the lower rung worked today, and uh, here I am working. We had a busy morning this morning, and uh, um, got a little quiet here in this afternoon, and I will be closing uh, when I do finish this 20-minute live broadcast. Um, let's go ahead and look at what the paper markets are doing today. They were up also higher. The Dow was up... Um, was already for you guys. The Dow was up 72 points at 18,491. The Nasdaq was up 22 points at 5249. The S&P was up nine at 2179. The um, euro was 112. And I don't know why. I guess when they think no one's watching, they just move things around. There wasn't a lot of moving in the 10-year yield. If I see that number cross my computer screen here in a little bit. I will update you on that. But let's get moving. i got a lot of things I want to talk to you about, and I only have a short 10 or so minutes. First of all is the U.S. payrolls. Uh, of course, you all probably know by now the payrolls climbed by 151,000. Uh, last month, it was following a 275,000 gain in July, and uh, that one was certainly larger than, in, than estimated. And, of course, uh, uh, August was certainly not expected either at 151,000. Everyone was looking for 180,000. And you're going to see numbers, th uh, good numbers throughout the election cycle here. Um, 
and I also have the moderators for the debates. And you know, it, <laughs> you know, you're gonna have to love Donald Trump because he's gonna hammer them. Uh, he's gonna hammer that media uh, pretty hard uh, when you when I tell you which ones uh, they have uh, chosen. I think everybody. But we'll talk about. It. Let me finish this up first. Um, so we have 180,000 for the uh, uh, Bloomberg was expecting. So that was a little bit low at 151,000. Uh, the August figure was consistent um, um, with the uh, payroll growth so far this year. Um, what's funny, they talk about the world's lar- largest economy as it slogs through a period of weak investment and some companies have difficulty finding workers. Well, what companies? I mean, which workers? What are the ones that they can't? Are they rocket scientists? I mean, you know, what? Where can't they find workers? Is what I want to know. But they won't tell you that. It's just, oh, some companies have problems finding workers. The economy is good and good and great, but uh, can't find a qualified worker. The other, uh, government's unemployment rate held about nine point seven percent as the number of people working part time for economic reasons rose slightly. Of course, uh, you're not going to hear a lot of talk about that. Some 6.05 million American employees were in part-time jobs, but they want to work full-time. That is up from 5.94 million in the prior month. That's a that's a pretty big pop. Um, so I'm really glad that the economy is so good that it can uh, at least supply part-time jobs um, for people so they can work two and three jobs in order to, to sustain their standard of living. Um, hourly earnings, that rose 0.1% from a month earlier. Uh, the year over year increase was 2.4%. The average work week, that dropped uh, by six minutes. So it doesn't seem to be a lot of people working overtime if you're uh, the workers uh, uh, the hours that you work has dropped by six minutes to 30.3 hours in July. And this is the lowest since 2014 and the first drop in six months. Yesterday, manufacturing was cut back. Factories cut payrolls by 14,000, and that is the most in three months. Employment at construction companies fell for the fourth time in the last five months. Um, employment slowed at private Uh, private service providers with payrolls and professional and business services. And, of course, that is uh, posting the smallest gain since, or the smallest decrease since July. Retail jobs rose by 15.1. That's 15,100. Jack Maul, I think everybody pretty much knows who he is. He's the executive chairman of Alibaba. Um, You know, he shouldn't be buying property in this country and enjoying the uh, you know the this country when he talks about globalization and he just wants it to grow he, but he thinks that if if globalization when trade stops wars can follow now i do believe that uh and, and that is uh you know and and that is important but you know there's something free trade bad Fair trade, good. And it's time we get some fair trade into this country. I think we're too far gone not to have globalization. But he talks about the mall and pop shops 
for e-commerce that uh, uh, is being uh, penalized uh, because of all this anti-globalization talk and uh, uh, the fear of, uh, you know, particularly here in the States and also the Brexit. Um, and he thinks it should grow. He thinks that you should pretty much eliminate any tariffs, inspections, and any other type of red tape uh, that can stop any type of shop from selling online. And um, that's how he thinks uh, the young people will be able to um, provide for themselves for the rest of their lives. He says that we need solutions for young people to leverage the technology we have so they can buy anywhere and sell anywhere and trade anywhere. anywhere. So, you know, I mean, I do believe this is, um, you know, do I like it? No, I don't. But uh, let's get some fair con- uh, fair trade into this uh, country and uh, um, make sure you get out and vote this year. Uh, I mentioned we had the moderators um, were announced yesterday. Um, Matt Lauer, I guess he'll be moderating the first presidential that was released yesterday. And, um, and of course, Lauer is a, past member. He was a past member on the Clinton Global Initiatives website, along with Anderson Cooper and Katie Couric. Um So all the moderators for all of the, this fall's debates were released today. Um, the lineup, uh, I mean, it's, it's just typical. You have NBC's Lester Holt, ABC's Martha Raddatz, CNN's Anderson Cooper, Fox News' Chris Wallace, and CBS' Elaine Wahano will moderate the presidential and vice presidential debates this fall. Uh, Of course, this was announced today by the Commission on Presidential Debates. Um, Holt, he anchors uh, NBC's Nightly News, will moderate the first debate at Hofstra University in New York on September 26th. Uh, It will be a traditional debate divided into six segments of 15 minutes each on major topics to be determined by Holt. Wahano, she's an anchor on CBS live streaming service, CBSN. She moderates the vice presidential debate on October 4th at Longwood University in Virginia, which will be a traditional debate as well, divided into nine timed segments of 10 minutes each. Um, Then you're going to have some town meeting debates, that type of a style with Anderson Cooper and the ABC's chief global correspondent and co-anchor of this week, Radatz uh, Wallace. He's the host of Fox News Sunday. He will become the first Fox News host to moderate a general election debate since the network's founding. And he's going to host the final presidential debate on October 19th at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And the same format will apply uh, as the first one. So, again, uh, most of these are very liberal, very pro-Clinton. And uh, luckily, I believe that um, Mr. Trump has no problem um, and he's not afraid to call out the media, and uh, I think the uh, debates will be very interesting, um, to say the least. So, um, 
I know I'll watch the first one. I'll probably watch the uh, VP, but um, and then we'll have to see how they, how Mr. Trump handles himself. And uh, another report out today: we have uh, retailers are beginning to scramble. There's a, you know, we 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 talk about the um, the ships that have uh, that carry the giant containers across uh, from Asia to our ports to drop off product. Well, we have some retailers that are scrambling as one of those shippers uh, went into bankruptcy. We have um, some of these retailers are scrambling to work out some of these contingency plans because a lot of this is holiday, holiday merchandise. Uh, a lot of these stores, uh, you know, they get their merchandise for the, for the holidays, uh, you know, so this might have some of the uh, products in there, but uh, giant container ships from the South Korean-based Hanjin shipping lines are marooned with their cargo of what experts say are lots of TVs and printers, but also loads of home furnishings and clothing. Hanjin, the world's seventh largest container shipper, they filed for bankruptcy on Wednesday, and uh, they stopped accepting new cargo. With its assets being frozen, ships from China to Canada were refused permission to offload or to take aboard containers because there were no guarantees that the tugboat pilots would be paid. So it's, and it's also been a factor in shipping rates rising and could hurt some trucking firms with contracts to pick up goods from these ships. So since they you know, filed bankruptcy, your shipping rates are rising. The South Korean giant it represents only about 8% of the trans-Pacific trade volume for the U.S. market. While some retailers may already have, again, uh, some merchandise for the holiday season, uh, some still say they might be affected. October is a very critical month. Retailers always have robust contingency plans. Let's see, J.C. Penney uh, is Hanjin's uh, uses Hanjin is one of the several ocean freight carriers that it uses. And when it learned that there might be an issue, it began to divert and reroute its containers. It says it uses a variety of transportation methods and ports. And right now, it does not expect a significant effect on the flow of merchandise. You have Best Buy. You have companies like Walmart, Target. Uh, they're all waiting for details about the proceedings and the implications to its merchandise. Yeah, these ships are just out and they're just sitting out there floating around. I'm not even sure they're anchored. As of Friday, 27 ships had been refused entry to ports or terminals. Well, they left their, their, they're empty. <laughs> you know, people just left them. They vacated these ships. Um, the Seoul-based company said one ship in Singapore had been seized by the ship's owner at uh, the ports of L.A. and Long Beach, which is these are the nation's busiest port complex, three of their container ships, ranging from about 700 feet to 1,100 feet long, were drifting, drifting offshore, or they were anchored away from the terminals as of yesterday. There's a fourth vessel that was supposed to leave Long Beach on Thursday, um, but it remained anchored inside the breakwater. So, um, hey, the company says we're bankrupt. We can't pay any bills. So don't bother asking us for any money. It's 
be the U.S. government pretty soon. Um, so you have uh, cargo that is headed to and from Asia that's just in limbo. Um, you have these merchants that are looking to stock shelves. So we don't know how long this is going to go on. Um, but, um, you know, so if you're looking for something in particular for, for the holidays, uh, you better check to make sure that you can get it. Um, October is usually the busiest month for cargo from South Korea to the U.S., accounting for about 11.5% of the annual total. I did see some numbers as far as the shipping rates, but uh, I can't locate that. Um, um, global demand and trade have suffered since the 2008 recession. We talk about the, dry, the Baltic Dry Index. We talked about the shipping rates. Um, but these steamship lines just continue to build more and larger vessels. So the weaker trade over capacity have sent the ocean shipping rates plunging in recent years. Get this. Some of these rates, these prices to, sh- to ship, they were as low as $600 per container. And they say that wouldn't even cover fuel costs for the huge ships. So, again, another indication that uh, things are not going very well, either here in the U.S. or around the world. Everything is, has, is, is impacted. Everything is connected because you can welcome that to the globalization. 1-800-375-4188. Monday, we will be closed for the holiday, the Labor Day holiday. Please be safe. Enjoy your families this weekend. We will be back with a full program on Tuesday. Our offices will be open on Tuesday at 9 a.m., so give us a call at 1-800-375-4188. And... Al and James Corbett will be joining you right after this short break. condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. 
to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. I'm Alfred Addisk, and this is Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver, 1-800-375-4188. Our guest is James Corbett. James uh, has been working in Japan since 2004, started the Corbett Report, that's C-O-R-B-E-T-T, the CorbettReport.com website, 2007, as an outlet for independent critical analysis of politics, society, history, and economics. Also, editor, uh, editorial writer for the International Forecaster, a weekly news letter. He's Canadian by birth, and he's one of the most articulate, intelligent, knowledgeable people that you're ever likely to uh, to run into. Hello, James. How are it's you? Embarrassing doing? me. I can't. Uh, how am I, I going to live up to that? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You can. I'm sure you have some people who can help you. If you can't live up to it yourself, but the truth of it, that is the truth. Well, there you go. I'll quote some Shakespeare for you. It's not hard. It's not hard. It, you know, it's, you really have a fantastic amount of knowledge available. It's been one of a kind of a running gag now, for me at least, for two years, trying to find a question that I can pose that you can't answer. And we've done it on at least one, maybe one and a half attempts out of out of two years. Uh, a fantastic amount of knowledge available, essentially, at your fingertips. Um, not many people are as articulate as you. Your intellect is, uh, you know, I, I bet that your IQ is at least 105 points. I don't know if that's true or false, but I'll bet it's at least 105 and maybe even 110. Any truth to that? I actually truly don't know. I've never had an IQ really? test, and I don't plan on it. Uh, I don't put a lot of stock in that number as something inherently meaningful, because there are different well, types of intelligences, and oh, that really just measures a certain a certain test taking type of intelligence that may or may not be useful in the real world. I had a high IQ test once upon a time. Well, actually, I was a National Merit Scholar, is what it was. Um, it wasn't an IQ test per se, but it was National Merit Scholar, <laughs> and I used to wonder if reason I had a high uh, the reason I had a high test score was because I cheated on the test all right and the way I cheated the the and the, the person who conducted the test there were you know, 50 100 200 people in the room I have no idea I don't recall anymore taking that test when I think I was a junior in high school um, maybe even a sophomore I don't recall clearly but they said we're gonna have 
an hour to deal with mathematics. And it doesn't matter how many questions you answer. What counts is how many did you get right? Well, I thought about that, and I said, that's, that's nonsense, because what that means, if I can answer one question out of the hundred or however many they had in the file, if I answer just one of those questions correctly, ta-da, I get a perfect score. I knew that couldn't be right. So I did do yeah. this, you know, you got to run this. This thing is about speed. Get in there and get it done in a hurry. And I wondered for years <laughs> if if I had a high score because I had essentially ignored the instructions or... Did I have a high score because I was smart enough to ignore the instructions? And I never did get an answer for that, blah, blah, blah. Very <laughs> stressful. Um, here's something that I think you should have seen. I'm sure you've seen this. And whether this is true or false, you can be, I'm, I'm operating on the assumption that this report is true. Uh, this is from International Clearinghouse. And it says, the broken chessboard, Brzezinski gives up on empire. You know what I'm talking about? I, I did actually read uh, a little bit of an article about this, but perhaps you can just flesh it out for All the right. audience. Well, got, we've got much of the article here in front of me. Zygmunt Brzezinski, the main architect of Washington's plan to rule the world, has abandoned the scheme and called for the forging of ties with Russia and China. Zygmunt Brzezinski's article in the American, in the American Interest titled Towards a Global Realignment, has been largely ignored by the media. It shows that powerful members of the policymaking establishment no longer believe that Washington will prevail in its quest to extend U.S. hegemony across the Middle East and Asia. Brzezinski, who was the main proponent of the idea and who drew up the blueprint for imperial expansion in his 1970, uh, 1997 book, the grand chessboard, American primacy, and its geostrategic imperatives, has done an about-face and called for a dramatic revision of the strategy. Now, they have some more, they have some excerpts here and whatever, and uh, does this sound credible to you? Do you think this is a legitimate story? Uh, there are elements to it, but I'm not sure that this is the right framing of what is happening here. So let's actually go to the source rather than talking about the, the article. Let's look at Brzezinski's actual article, which was published in the, the American interest. It's called toward a global realignment. Yep. And he's talking about the different verities regarding the emerging redistribution of global political power. And he talks yep. about some of these verities like uh, the United States is the world's politically, economically, military most powerful entity. Uh, Russia is experiencing the, last, the latest convulsive phase of its imperial devolution. China is rising steadily. Uh, Europe is not now and not likely to become a global power. And the political, violent political awakening among post-colonial Muslims is in part a belated reaction to their occasionally brutal suppression, mostly by European powers. But what does he take out of this? He says, taken together as a unified framework, these five verities tell us that the United States must take the lead in realigning the global power architecture in such a way that the violence erupting within and occasionally projected beyond the Muslim world, and in the future, possibly from other parts of what used to be called the third world, can be contained without destroying the global order. We can sketch this new architecture by elaborating briefly each of the five foregoing verities. So that's that's the basis that he's working from. And I'm not sure this is a particularly stunning about face 
for Brzezinski, so much as an incorporation of some of the on-the-ground political realities that exist at the moment that may not have been quite as prominent two decades ago at the end of the post the, the Cold War, where he was writing about the grand chessboard and all of that. In the end, I think ultimately what he wants is essentially the same, a global geopolitical power architecture that is, at, we're at least going to be led into that by the United States. And it, yeah, I, I mean, it might not necessarily mean that at the end of the day, it is the United States per se that is running the whole show exactly. But I would imagine it is still the same technocrats uh, that he has always wanted to have power over the global system, to have power over the global system. But that the, you know, the, the composition of that technocratic class may be a little bit more multicultural, shall we say, rather than simply just being the United States. But I, I, again, I'm not sure that this is fundamentally different. Ideologically, what he's talking about is the same thing. He still wants the global architectural framework for a global order, a new world order, if you will. I agree with you. I think that's exactly, that's the way I read this also. Um, it seems to me that the world has given Brzezinski some lemons, and now he's trying to make lemonade. And He says the United States needs to take the lead in realigning the global power architecture. If we're going to realign it, that implies something's been lost. Power that used to enforce a certain alignment has dissipated. There's, that, there's a problem with how much power does the United States have, and can they take the lead? Have we alienated so many people around the globe that we're not going to get a leadership position? Is that not Or are we more likely to devolve into three or four blocks rather than one single cohesive entity? Right. I, I think that the... Uh, <laughs> To a certain extent, the power structure is working out the best way to preserve the power structure. And we yeah, are watching that you. happen. And, and if, that, if the way to maintain the, 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 the power structure and the oligarchical elite is for them to have competing power blocks, or at least what appear to be competing power blocks that are all, all working within the same global system. I mean, you can have different players on the chessboard that, are, uh, that have different... Um, that have their piece of the chessboard, which they rule in maybe slightly different ways. But ultimately, if they're all playing the same game by the same rules, then it doesn't really matter uh, in, on the big scheme of things from that, that perspective. If your ideology is, we must have this global system, and yeah, you can have different flavors within that global system, but it's all going to be you know, sold from the same shop. So it's the, the Baskin-Robbins uh, version of uh, global geopolitics um, rather than some sort of monolithic order, which may not, it, it, that may not be sustainable. The idea of a one government with one system that rules over everyone equally, maybe humanity is just not cut out for that, or maybe, you know, it, we, people will always revolt against that type of centralized power structure. So just make it look a little bit more decentralized. And I think that's probably the approach mm -hmm. from which Brzezinski and other geopolitical you know, real, real politic realists, so-called, so work from. Uh, they, they are just looking for the best way to make this happen. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to, you know, stick religiously to one script. They're just going to find out what's the best way to make it happen in, in the, the way that they want it. You mentioned that all of these, if, if there's a breakdown in, into regions, for example, rather than to a one-world government, um... But, but it won't matter much so long as they're all part of the same global system. You give folks an idea of what you think are the essential elements of that single global system. 
I would say that a major part of it has to, I mean, the backbone really of this has to be the, the monetary order. Um, I agree with and that, that has to be on the back of the, the prevailing paradigm of a central bank that manages money for different nations, or it could be a regional central bank like we see in the ECB, or it could be some other type of entity that's emerging now from the shadows. So some, some sort of post, um, uh, post-World Bank, post-Bretton Woods type era institution that may, that may serve that function. But fundamentally, I think it has to be based on that because that's, that is the one thing that creates the, the power, the centralization of power is encapsulated and perhaps enabled by the control of the, the monetary system. So as long as the monetary system is ordered that way, which is why I think it has been off pointed out, I think usually erroneously that, you know, the axis of evil is the, are the only three nations that don't have a Rothschild controlled central, central bank is usually the way that's framed. I don't think that's technically accurate, but it does encapsulate, I think, something real in that Iran, North Korea, these types of countries that are clearly holdouts from that, uh, that, that central bank type system and the, the usury that it's based on uh, tend to be the ones in the crosshairs of all sides um, and tend to be the ones that get eliminated from the face of the planet. So I think that the monetary order is fundamental to this. And based on top of that, there are going to be international structures for dealing with international disputes and things. Um, and again, the interregional, there may be actual real inter, interregional conflict and, and jockeying for position. But again, as long as everyone's playing by the rules, generally speaking, well, you must have a central bank that's administering in this way, and you must play nice with these international organizations, then there's room for that type of jockeying for position. I saw an article recently that predicted that there were, that we're coming to an, a serious financial problem, of course, and that's hardly news, but they saw it breaking down three different three different possible solutions. One government would manage to create enough inflation for our fiat currency, where the fiat currency would help to destroy the debt, and somehow everyone would live happily ever after. And two, the world governments would rely on special drawing rights from the IMF. And three, they'd go back to a gold-based monetary system, which is the last thing in the world that they want to do, or they might have to do it. But they, that was their third choice. My question is this. The idea that special drawing rights can be used to back the dollar and the euro and whatever other fiat currencies are around and uh, are, exist in the world right now, is that really a credible plan? And the reason I ask that is, isn't aren't we just saying we'll take a fiat special drawing right to back a fiat dollar or fiat euro? Do we have anything tangible? Are, are special drawing rights really tangible, or are they just essentially another fiat currency? They, well, yeah, they're essentially a second-order currency. They're not even a currency per se. They certainly can't be used by you or I. They're only exchangeable at the central bank level, and they are based on other fiat currencies. But I think the logic would be, and I suppose it's, it, it is at least consistent logic, that, well, the current monetary order, we have this U.S., dollar as the global reserve currency, but that itself is backed up by nothing. Of course, it was detached from gold in the 70s. It's, it's truly nothing other than 
faith in the U.S. government. Well, that's an inherently unstable system. Uh, what if something happened to the U.S. government? What if people stop believing in the U.S. government? So instead of that, why don't we have five different currencies that are based in different regions with different systems and different governments? And, and then, you know, it's, it's inherently more stable because one of those falls. Well, that's not such a big problem. If all five of them fall, well, you've probably got a global situation on your hands anyway. So it's, it's at least a more stable way of making a fiat-based system. But more stable uh, doesn't necessarily mean much in the long run, because as we know, all fiat currencies eventually go to their real value, which is zero. And uh, I, I, it's really just a matter of time on that. So it's, it's a way of holding off the inevitable. It's a way of making a more explicitly multipolar world. Um, there are obviously within the globalist ideology, there are reasons why you would want such a system. But if you do not ad uh, adhere to the globalist ideology, if you do not believe in the fiat currencies uh, in the first place, then obviously it's just exchanging, you know, one fig leaf for five fig leaves, which is hardly, you know, the, the ultimate solution here. You know, you made the comment that the fiat currency depends on people's confidence in the government. And I think, actually, it depends their confidence in other people. And what I mean by that is this. By law, the government doesn't have to redeem its fiat currency. Uh, you can take a $100 bill into the Federal Reserve, and they'll give you a new $100 bill, but that's all you'll ever get. You're not going to get anything tangible from the government and or the Federal Reserve for fiat currency. If you want fiat currency to work, what it's based on is if I'm dumb enough to take a $100 bill, piece of paper, for my as payment for my labor, <laughs> the reason I do is not because I trust the government, but because I know there are other morons in this country that are even dumber than I am, that I can give that $100 bill to John Smith, guy lives down the street, and he's a grocery store. He operates a grocery store. I'll be able to get some food out of John. All right? He will give me tangible. The government doesn't redeem the dollar. Your comment, your fellow man redeems the dollar, and that's a fascinating possibility because it means government doesn't have to pay its bills. They just issue these pieces of paper, and they let you redeem it, not with the government, but with your neighbors. And so we are the ones who really put the backbone behind the, uh, uh, behind the currency. We'll take a break for some commercials, and when we come back, we'll get your take on whether or not that's a valid take. I'm Alfred Adams. This is Financial Survival. We'll be back in a moment with James Corbett from the Corbett Report, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, report.com. Please stay tuned. or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 
or order online at the three W's dot thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. This is Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188. Our guest is James Corbett, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, from CorbettReport.com. And when we left for our last bunch of commercials, I raised the idea that government doesn't really redeem its currency. and Therefore, we don't have confidence in government, really. We have confidence in the guy across the street who will accept that $100 bill pay for or groceries or tools or services, mowing the lawn or whatever, but it's our neighbors. You and I are the ones that make that give the fiat currency its value. Does that strike you as a, a credible idea or do you think it's wrong? I think it is 100% right. It touches on the real fundamental nature of what money is and what function it actually serves, which is essentially it is a proof to the community that you have done something productive that has earned you this, whatever it is, this paper or whatever is serving as the money that shows that you are a productive member of society. So I, you know, here's, here, I'll trade with you and then I'll get this and I'll trade that with someone else. That is the function it serves. It is fundamentally, it is about people, people interacting with each other. It's about the, the, the what we create in the world. And on top of that, you have had the government and of course the banks perch themselves as the monopolistic controllers of these uh-huh. tokens, which gives them incredible power that, again, that power comes from the people actually engaging in commerce with each other, creating things for each other. That's where that power of that money comes from. But the government usurps that power and takes it for itself, and obviously the banksters that, uh, that control the government. So that, I mean, that's the, the most important part to keep in mind when we're considering this and the way that this, the system has been structured and the way we've been taught to think that money is some sort of special substance that has to be specially created and controlled, created by the banks and controlled by the government. Otherwise, you know, where would we be instead of realizing that it really is in, in many ways the literal instantiation of our blood, our sweat, our tears, that we make this money valuable and that the government just sits on top of it and sucks that value up. 
You know, the, historically, the government, when it issued, a, it issued a note, it issued a silver certificate, it issued a gold certificate, and for the most part, government, you could accept that piece of paper, but you could also take it down to a bank or to a, uh, the tre- United States Treasury. You could br- say, listen, I don't want this $100 bill. <laughs> I would rather have 100 silver dollars. They'd give you 100 silver dollars. They actually, it was redeemable by the government. The people that wrote that dollar bill, they actually would redeem it with gold or silver. But today, they don't redeem those notes. They are redeemed by your neighbors. And the point is, the government doesn't really have to pay its bills. All the government has to do is, is, is create another bond, issue another trillion dollars in these, in these Federal Reserve notes, and they can go out and spend them because... I will accept them because I know I can pass one off with you, and you'll take them because you can use them someplace else and so on. But the government isn't really paying its bills, and it's no wonder that government becomes enormous. If I didn't have to pay my bills, how much could I own? I could own the state of Texas, you know, in short order if I didn't have to pay my bills. Here, let me give you a check. How many zeros do you want? You see my point? Right. No, of course. And and to bring this home to people, it might sound like airy kind of, you know, the- theoretical mumbo jumbo in monetary and uh, mm-hmm. systems and economics. But there are real world uh, ramifications for all of this. And it's no it's no coincidence that it was the expenditures, largely the expenditures on the Vietnam War that started causing a lot of central banks around the world to get nervous about their dollar holdings and start asking for gold, which prompted Nixon to take the dollar off the gold standard, which if you look at the chart, you know, look at U.S. debt over time and look from the 70s mm-hmm. onward, and it just explodes from that point because, of course, yeah, they, they de-hinge de- it from anything. There's absolutely nothing tying it down, so they just print as much as they possibly can. And what does that fuel? That fuels the expansion of the American military empire. And yep. you ha- so it's no surprise. You have war after war after war after war, and all of this, you know, threats of war, and, oh, we need a new 30 billion, trillion, quadrillion dollar, you know, F- 79 fighter or whatever the next thing, the next boondoggle coming along because of the threats and that they, they themselves are creating. All of this are the real world ramifications for this, this uh, stuff that just sounds like, oh, it doesn't sound that important. No, it's just oh, money, economics. I can't wrap my head around it. This is what it is. It's death and destruction that is enabled by them leeching again off the productivity of real people, the average people that you know, we are and that we interact with. And taking that momentum and using it to spread their empire for their own aggrandizement. And that is that is why it's fundamentally immoral at its base what is happening. But it is so abstracted and hided and hid behind all of these layers of, uh, of you know, nice uh, theoretical sounding economic buzzwords that most people never connect the two. Yep. It's uh, not many people. I had a friend back in the 90s who had a degree in political science, and he was interested in these kinds of subjects, and he would go to 7-Elevens, and he would bring <laughs> a, a, a joke dollar that they used to print. They'd have $6 bills, and they'd have a picture of Bill Clinton on one side, Monica Lewinsky on the other side, and it was poorly printed on green pieces of paper, and you should be able to tell. He would pass them off. He'd walk in during lunchtime. And he'd give them to the clerk for a hot dog and a Slurpee, right? And the clerk would give them change. And the only problem they had is when they opened up the cash drawer, 
there was a place for the ones and the fives and the tens and the twenties and so on. There was no place for the six dollar bills. So the clerk would lift the little black tray, slip it under there with the hundred dollar bills and the checks, and that was the end of it. Well, it was kind of a cruel trick, but it illustrated something. The vast majority of people don't know anything about money other than how to count it. And that is an enormous disability. You have to understand money if you want to make it in this world. If you want to survive and you don't want to be impoverished, you must understand the concept. I got an article here from Technology News and Trends. And the headline is G20 Summit to Focus on Rising Anti-Globalization Sentiment. What do you think about that? Is there significant backlash against globalization right now, or is there just a little blip, a little bump in the road, and uh, globalization will continue unabated yeah. after the next yeah. election? No, there's, I mean, there, there is clearly, and I think obviously and undeniably at this point, a populist backlash against the status quo that we've seen uh, certainly over the past few decades. And this is manifesting in the United States political context, obviously with Trump and with Sanders and with every, I mean, the fact that the, the, the most recent poll shows that uh, Hillary has reached a new level of unfavorability rating, which officially makes these, these two candidates the most uh, hated in the last 30 years, the, the most unfavorable candidates that have ever run against each other. So uh, it's a question of who do you hate least uh, at this point. Well, that's, what there is clearly, is. that's what it well, usually yeah. is. That's what it usually is. We don't yeah. vote for candidates. We vote against candidates. Vote against, I'm going right. to vote for the Republican because I can't stand the Democrat. Right. And other people say, I'm not. Vo- I'm voting for the Democrat. I'm going to hold my nose and vote for the Democrat because I yeah. can't stand the Republican. Yes, but it's How particularly many- pronounced this time where you have Republicans yeah. voting for Trump because they want to stick it to Republic- the Republican establishment. And you have Democrats that are revolting against the Democrat candidate. And um, there's something that is changing right now. And it is, I think it really is a populist reaction to the lies that have been sold, certainly since NAFTA and going on from that part about, oh, oh, these trade deals are going to be wonderful and it's going to benefit everyone. Well, the part of that that they tended to leave out, the the asterisk that they never really filled in, was that, yeah, actually it's going to cause a lot of pain and squeeze a lot of people who are already suffering and on the lower end of the scale and people in manufacturing and other jobs like that. But, you know, overall, generally speaking, you know, a a century from now, we'll be able to say generally that, you know, trade levels have made us a more prosperous society or something like that. Well, forgetting about the real human beings who are suffering in the meantime, and those real human beings are still voters and still people with voices, so obviously they're making themselves heard. Um, Now, my bigger perspective on this is to say that the nationalist uprising that this is to a large extent about trade protection and things like that is not fundamentally, I think, going to be opposed to the overall creation of that global architecture that Brzezinski is talking about. It just means that the oligarchs have to be more skillful in couching it in populist terms. But I think, again, as I've said before, I don't think nationalism is really the the antithesis to globalism. I think it's just a different stage of globalism. And uh, once they get you rallying around a flag, all they have to do is get you to rally around a different flag at that point. And once you've subsumed your individual identity in some sort of collective, you're in the collectivist ideology. And then it's just a question of what stage. And nationalism is clearly a, a, a lesser stage of the globalist, you know, fru- the fruition of that uh, collectivist ideology, but it's still a stage on, uh, rung on that ladder. When we talk about nationalism, you don't see it as, you don't, you don't see this as a, fundamental force in itself, 
And I'm wondering if it's a consequence of the recession, depression, growing poverty. People are just, as long as people are making a buck and they're getting ahead, they don't care what the system is doing. Yes, 100%. I can guarantee you, if this was the the 90s all over, yes, if this was the 90s all over again, and, you know, things were looking great, 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 and people were making money, I guarantee you we would not be seeing the political type of ramifications that we are now. It is obviously, I think, quite, quite obviously, that we've been living through this eight years of recovery, which is obviously not a recovery. A lot of people have suffered and are suffering and see absolutely no bright spot. And they're being told every day through the media, everything's great. It's wonderful. Look at unemployment. And and people are living that disconnect. And so we're starting to see the political ramifications of that. But yes, you're right. When the economy is expanding, even if it's even if it's, you know, paper money that uh, isn't fundamentally supported by anything, as long as people are feeling the effects of that, then they're going to, to be placated. But when, the, when it starts to pinch and it starts to really get them, that's when revolutions tend to happen. Mm-hmm. Will the New World Order be able to weather this storm? Are they really threatened right now? Again, we talked about this a little earlier. Is it just a bump in the road or is the New World Order really in trouble? Well, look at it again from the overall picture of this. And here's a great specific way to look at it. Look at someone like Soros, who I, I'm sure the audience is more than familiar with and his various machinations. But again, people might not know. Recently, there was a hack of the Open Society Foundation and 2,500 internal documents were spilled out via DCLeaks.com. And the uh, documents showed, again, what most people already understood in various ways, but we have some more documentation on it now, the the types of ways that that money is wielded for political influence around the world, and of course in the United States as well, where Soros has spent money donating to groups that literally paid for protesters to be bussed into Ferguson to start the protests that really were the impetus for the the Black Lives Matter movement and this, this new stage of social unrest. At the same time, The Open Society Foundation is talking in some of these documents about their strategies for their their uh, justice uh, initiative, I believe they call it, um, about the uh, the need for a more federalized police force. Uh So you have the person who is creating the civil unrest by funding the groups that are literally busting in the paid protesters to go and create civil unrest at the same time arguing for more federal policing and then you and then of course obama comes out and says we need a more federalized police force hello they are creating the problem they are creating the the ready-made solution they are playing the public like a fiddle as always and the public every time you punch this button people are going to react this way here's the solution and it if it didn't work so well they wouldn't be doing it anymore but unfortunately it still continues to work so we have to understand as long as they can create and channel the, the problems and create the discussion around, you must be in, on this side or this side of this debate, then they will get you into the, the, the logical matrix that will inevitably lead to their solutions. When we talk about protesters being flown in, bust in, whatever, to stir the hornet's nest and justify a federal police force, is it going to turn out that the Fed, this new federal police force, will its primary targets be the protesters once it's established? Of course, of course. I mean, at, at a certain point, once the, uh, the, the fans have been flamed enough, then you don't really need to continue paying people to be protesters or whatever. It will become a, a real movement because people really do become energetic and impassioned and, and start participating. Once that happens, you have genuine civil unrest, which is what I see forming right now in the United States context. And once that happens, and once that gets to a certain level, 
people are going to be crying out for yeah. police Federal on the street police or police on the street. Yeah. Because the protesters we need, are... Yeah. We need the National yeah. Guard. We need someone. Won't someone to restore order? And, it, and it, I'm not even denigrating that response because at a certain point when people really are rioting on the streets and, the, and things are becoming mayhem, well, you really do need some sort of solution to that. And the, the, the only way that people can think to resolve these problems is, well, I guess we got to have that federal police force and people will be crying out for it. It's interesting to me because I started all of this 10 years ago with my website where it, we were in a context, people were afraid of the you know, the Bush administration implementing martial law or something like that. But mm-hmm. no, that's not how it works. Generally, by the time they implement something like that, people will be crying out for it. I agree with you. We've got about 30 seconds left, and I guess that's just enough time for you to make a pitch for websites, blogs, podcasts. I will just direct people to CorbettReport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T Report.com. If it's your first time there, just enjoy the archives. I have thousands of hours of media there completely free for browsing and perusal, and I hope it is an information resource. I always try to link to source documents and give people the uh, sources that I'm working from so that you can come to your own conclusions. And if it is a valuable resource, if you do get uh, information out of it, of course, I appreciate your support. You can subscribe to my newsletter there. All right, James Corbett from thecorbettreport.com. Thank you, James. Always a pleasure. Always interesting. Look forward to talking to you again in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Thank all of you folks for listening. Melody and I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Frank, the producer, and James Corbett. Good night. and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one 
$149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare, while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at landset.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret Silver wings upon their chest These are men, America's best One hundred men will test today But only three win the Green Beret Well, everybody, it's uh, Friday, break day And um, tonight starts the Sabbath and ends Saturday night. Now, a lot of you uh, may say, Bo, how can you get it so wrong? Uh, Sunday's the Sabbath, but it isn't. And if you don't want to take my word for it, then uh, Billy Graham is, I think, back being stable in uh, the hospital. You can uh, you know, send Billy Graham an email, or uh, talk to the Pope, 
send the Vatican an email and ask them, hey, is Sunday the Sabbath? The Pope represents uh, hundreds of millions of Catholics, and uh, Billy Graham represents a great slice of, uh, of Christians. And so they should know. Oh, they do know. And uh, they'll tell you, no, uh, Sunday is not the Sabbath. The Sabbath has always been recognized from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. God's time is lunar, not solar. But uh, we recognize on Sunday the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why as Christians uh, we celebrate on Sunday. And uh, the church under Constantine back in uh, 325 uh, took away the Sabbath because they didn't want anything Jewish. The Jews, no matter what you may or may not think of them, plus or minus, uh, have kept the oracles of God as a basic religion. Now, there are Orthodox Jews uh, that uh, have different outlooks than uh, Reformed Jews, etc., and at all. But I'm talking basically about uh, the, you don't have to be a Hasidic Jew, but an Orthodox Jew has kept the feast days. They honor the Sabbath. Uh, they understand uh, what God uh, has instructed for uh, all people to do. And if you're wondering, well, what do you mean all people? I thought it was only Jews uh, that were the chosen ones. Well, if you think the Jews are the chosen ones, then there is a case to be made that, uh, well, where are the Jews? The ten northern tribes were completely decimated uh, back there 1,500 years uh, before Christ when the uh, ten tribes under Jeroboam were conquered, splintered, carried off, wiped out because Jeroboam, if you'll check, he was uh, there in the Solomon Solomon's son was a young fellow named Nehoboam, and neither Jeroboam or Nehoboam, Nehoboam was Solomon's son. Solomon followed David as the second king of Israel. And uh, it was just, all of a sudden, now for 2,500 years, there haven't been anybody but Jews. There was this tribe of Judah under Nehoboam, uh, which uh, continued on when the ten northern tribes were seized, enslaved, scattered, killed, and uh, decimated, they were wiped out because they didn't follow God's law. So that leaves this nickname. The tribe of Judah uh, took on the nickname of Jew, the time of Christ, uh, that's all that there was. And uh, so in uh, 70 A.D., Rome came through, wiped out the Jews. 
tore down the second temple. All we have left is what the Muslims claim is the third most uh, holy site, the Dome of the Rock. And all the rest of that rubble is what was the second temple. Now, the Ark of the Covenant has not been in the Holy of Holies in any of the temples since the first temple was raided. The high priest saw the Ark of the Covenant was uh, under uh, threat, and so they hid it. When people came in and tore down the first temple, there was no one. And so um, the temple is rebuilt. And uh, the temple was standing in the time of Christ, but the Romans in 70 A.D. took it, not one stone left upon another. There was no Ark of the Covenant. So today, being Friday, we reserve for uh, some uh, spiritual nourishment and some contentious things. For example, there is a preacher who has, uh, if not world attention, at least attention uh, of uh, America, because he has signs all over the place that say that Judgment Day is tomorrow. Yeah. Now, this guy is called Harold Camping. That's his uh, name. He's a pastor. In 1994, he said it was the end of the world. And uh, some people listened to him then and got all squared away in white sheets, standing up on mountains in, uh, in Arizona. And they were just left standing because the world didn't come to an end. In 1994, it says in the Bible that no man knoweth the hour, not even Jesus the Christ, not even the angels. Only the Father knows the hour, but we are given to know the season. And Christ tells us, you will know when the time is because the season is obvious when the trees are green, summer is nigh. Which means to me, when all the prophecies have been fulfilled, when all the feast days have been fulfilled, then comes the end. And uh, you, there are so many things in the Bible that Harold Camping uh, is missing. One is there's a thousand years of peace under the Messiah, the millennial age. So uh, it could start tomorrow, but Harold Camping is talking about a rapture and the judgment day. That kind of flies in the face of what the Bible says, because the Bible says when Christ comes to claim this earth, there'll be a great trump. There's going to be a great battle, Armageddon. And uh, 
Satan is going to lose, and Satan and all of his minions, remember that one-third of the hosts of heaven chose to follow Satan when there was war in heaven. They lost. Satan and his uh, one-third of the, the sons of heaven, they were sent down to be uh, occupiers, disembodied occupiers of the earth, except Satan can appear as an angel of light. And we hear about Satan in the chapters of Job, and we won't go into all that. Anyway, there's a lot of things that have to happen. There has to be an antichrist. There has to be a time when you cannot buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast either in your right hand or in your forehead, and we haven't arrived there yet. So uh, while Harold Camping may get a a few uh, people's heartbeat uh, increase, this is not the time and is not even uh, the uh, period of the feast days. It will be the Feast of Trumpets. I believe, now this is the gospel according to Bowl. the next feast that we have is coming up on June the 8th. June the 8th will be Pentecost. That is when the Holy Spirit came. And so we recognize that that was one of the three main feast days where you had to go to the temple. Well, they're in the temple to go to now. So what we do is recognize it in our homes the best we can, and uh, I'll tell you all about it as we start to draw near, but June the 8th is the Feast of Weeks, as call it, Shavuot, it is known for Pentecost. And then uh, the uh, next feast day, is when Christ will come to claim the earth. And that is September this year. It's September the 29th. That is the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, September 29th. Then just 10 days later is Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the, uh, the Feast uh, of uh, of forgiveness, if you will. Uh, we who are Christians uh, don't need this feast day. But I think that Yom Kippur uh, is actually for those people who have uh, disenfranchised Christ because of their religion, because of false teachings, Uh, They do not believe that the Messiah has come and been crucified and gone and will come again. And so Yom Kippur uh, is, they have kept the oracles of God. They have done what God has said on the feast days. They have followed God's Ten Commandments. And all of a sudden, when Christ comes at Rosh Hashanah, and that great trumpet sounded, and the millennial age starts, and they say, holy cow, uh, we've been wrong. 
for Rosh Hashanah, September 23rd this year. October uh, is Yom Kippur, and it's a time of atonement. Christians have already, Christ has atoned for our sins. But I think it's honestly the opportunity for those Jews who have God in their heart, but because of false teachings, have refused the Christ. And then just five days after uh, Yom Kippur, which is only a one-day feast, we have September the 27th, which is uh, Sukkot. It's also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. It is when God says he promises he will come and dwell with us. And so the seven feast days are Passover and the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of... Uh, of of the Holy Spirit coming, then uh, the Feast of Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Atonement, and finally, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. Let me give you the days this year, because it's lunar, so it changes, because the moon has a slightly different cycle than the sun, Anyway, uh, today we've already gone through Passover. That was April 19th. The next feast day that we go through is June the 8th, and that is Pentecost. And then September 29th is the Feast of Trumpets, when Christ comes to claim the earth. And Yom Kippur, which is the Feast of Atonement, on October the 8th. And October the 13th is the Feast of Passover. Now, you can go to the next to last book, uh, Zechariah, in the Bible. You go to the last chapter of uh, Zechariah, and you go to the last sentence. (laughs) And it says that uh, we are still going up to the mountain to worship the Feast of Tabernacles. Friends, uh, these feasts, uh, when Christ, a lot of people say, well, Christ uh, fulfilled all the feasts. It means that uh, he did away with the law. Christ himself said, my coming is to fulfill the law, but not change the law, not one jot or one tittle. And so, It was meant to continue. And I think that's what the idea of the Feast of Atonement is. Now, this fellow, Harold Camping, has got quite a following, and they think that the world ends tomorrow, and that tomorrow there will be a rapture. And you want to watch out if you believe Harold Camping, because in the rapture, you'll be driving along, and all of a sudden... You get sucked up to some place. You may be sitting on the throne. Whoop, you're gone if you are of Christ. And uh, unlike what the Bible says, 
this group will go off with Christ somewhere. The Mormons believe that heaven is at Kolob, K-O-L-O-B, a faraway star. And uh, so maybe they go there if uh, Harold Camping is right. But Harold Camping has been wrong, like in 1994. And the only reason that I tell you this is because uh, of humor, because the Bible says that we're going to have people like Harold Camping who give false prophecy, not based on the Bible. So Harold Camping doesn't, uh, in, in figuring out that tomorrow is the end of the world, and a lot of uh, organizations, civilizations, people, Mayans, for example, they think 2012 is the end of the earth, and it could be. Uh, we could have all of the, I mean, everything is lined up. There's all kinds of, of uh, phenomenon going on that could complete the prophecies. But I can tell you, God is not a liar, and so these prophecies will be fulfilled. And it could be 2012. There's still quite a bit of time left in 2012, but there's not a lot of time for these prophecies to be fulfilled by tomorrow. So Harold Camping is just another one of these people. And here's, listen, in the old days, People honored prophets, but when the prophet said something and it didn't happen that way, they stoned them to death. So, Harold, if you are willing to be stoned to death, and maybe we don't have to to be that way, let's just say, Harold, if the end of the world isn't tomorrow, then... Go away. Go back in your hole. Close up the center. Be like a gopher or something. But stop telling people and exciting people uh, that at the end of the world and God is coming and judgment day uh, happens. Because according to the Bible, (coughs) the sequence of events, and according to the feast days, the Holy Spirit came back during the time of the apostles. Remember Christ, when he was resurrected, he stayed with his apostles for 40 days. Then he told them, he said, I must go that the Holy Spirit can come. He said, you stay here for Pentecost. The Holy Spirit will come. Well, 10 days later, they stayed like they were supposed to, to be there for Pentecost. That's a required Uh, feast day at the temple, here comes the wind, and here comes the tongues of flame. 3,000 people were baptized that were visiting the temple for that feast day. I mean, that is a phenomenon. So, the next feast day is when Christ comes. Well, and what happens is, it's called the first resurrection. All of those who have died in Christ from the time of Adam will come forward with Christ, and they come to earth. 
people aren't beamed up. That rapture uh, business took place in the 1700s over in Scotland. A woman made this thing up. It was very, a very good tale to get money into the church coffers. People wanted to hear how they were going to go flying and that Christ was going to beam them up sometime before he actually came, like it says in the Bible. Anyway, the truth is that Christ will come, and with him will come all of the righteous dead, those who are his, all of the unrighteous dead, those who have died and have not received the salvation from Christ, will remain dead. And then for we on earth who remain, we're still here, we haven't died yet, we will be changed, it says, in the twinkling of an eye. We will lose our earthly bodies, which uh, decay, grow old, uh, they from uh, the dust to the dust, remember? But in our celestial body, we look the best we have ever looked. We don't have any problems with digestion or uh, with cancer or Alzheimer's. This is our celestial body good for eternity. And Christ will rule and reign the millennial empire for a thousand years. Then what happens is just before the end of the millennial reign, Satan is loosed to tempt those who he may. In other words, the last chance for evil to steal uh, the legacy of God's own. And then what happens on Judgment Day, like uh, Harold Camping is saying that Judgment Day is tomorrow, the rapture tomorrow, people are going to fly away, and the people left are going to be judged. And none of it's so. None of it is biblically sound. In the judgment, we have those, everybody who has lived, that is called the second resurrection. All those who weren't resurrected and came forward when Christ came to claim the earth, they will all, the sea will give up its dead. Everybody now is resurrected. The righteous will only be judged for their glory. Because, remember, I've given you five citations directly out of the Bible, that if you accept Christ, then God will not only forgive your sins, but they will be remembered no more. Quote, and so if God does not remember your sins, he would be a liar if you were judged for them at the last day. Uh, it was always been confusing to me why people uh, scream and holler and claw at themselves 
if they have accepted Christ, uh, your judgment's going to be a wonderful time. If you haven't, then uh, you, the sins of the world will be uh, brought before you, and you'll be punished. All right, let's uh, take a little break. We'll come right back. i got a ton of news for you, so we'll have to jump right into it. You're listening to Freedom. It's over American Voice Radio. So stay right where you are, loving all says about distilled water. If you decide on bottled water, make sure it's distilled. However, in the long run, you'll save money if you clean your water at home. It's more convenient than hauling gallon jugs from the store. The gold standard for purifying your water is a system that distills your water and filters it. You have the comfort of knowing there is no chlorine, fluoride, bacteria, viruses, pesticides, or lead. You get nothing but H2O, maximum health. Dr. Robert D. Willis, Jr., M.D. Order your tabletop water distiller for $139.99 postpaid. It comes with everything you need to get pure distilled water. Go to superstore.theamericanvoice.com. That's superstore.theamericanvoice.com. Order now. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU-band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one of four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at Freeze Dry Guy at Lancet.com. That's Freeze Dry Guy at L-A-N-S-E-T.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. 
makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. before the break about uh, this preacher, Harold Camping, who has predicted the end of the world in 1994. Somehow or other, it didn't turn out. So now he predicts the end of the world is tomorrow. And uh, would you believe it? But the networks are uh, putting this out as prime news. So what I thought I would do is relieve you a little bit. If tomorrow... Because camping, there's a lot of things that happen when the Feast of Trumpets come along and Christ comes to claim the earth. There's a thousand years where the lion lays down with the lamb, remember that? And the, the asp, the serpent, and the child. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an era, a thousand years of peace. And then Satan is loosed a little. Then there will be. Then the Feast of Tabernacles is fulfilled. And we do have the last great day, which is the judgment day. But we've gone through a thousand years of millennial age. Those of us who are of Christ will be with Christ on this earth, not hanging out somewhere uh, in space. And uh, I don't know because... In the first resurrection, uh, Christ comes with all of those who have died that are his uh, from the time of Adam. Uh, That means that, and see, when Christ died the first time, and uh, and he won't die again, he came back from the grave while he was three days and three nights. You know, people ask him, uh, you know, what have you, what did you do? Well, one of the things that he did was he went and preached uh, to those in Sheol. Now, when you look at a great hero like King David, I mean, wasn't he a hero? As a boy, he goes out and saves Israel. 
by nailing uh, the great giant of the Philistines. He's the great man. But he sees Bathsheba, who is the Hittite's uh, wife, and he sets it up so this captain is killed, being in the forefront of an attack where you could count on in those days, sort of like Vietnam, hand to Glenn, and uh, you could figure you're on the point, you know, you're going you're gonna to die. And he did. And so David is able to take Bathsheba, but, of course, they realize, and a lot of David's psalms are in his prayer for forgiveness. I believe that God, this is gospel according to Paul, that God uh, forgave David, but David, he doesn't go to heaven. Who goes to heaven? Well, Enoch went to heaven. It is way back in Genesis where uh, God sees Enoch is pleasing to him, and so Enoch is seen no more, nor his people. So they all, God takes them. They don't go to Sheol. They go to heaven. And then Ezekiel, uh, here is uh, uh, a guy who uh, Isaiah was the protege. Isaiah uh, didn't go, but he comes, God comes and picks up this great prophet in a golden chariot, and off he goes. And Moses, you can read about it in Jude. God tells Michael, go get me the body of Moses. Well, this is when Moses dies, you know, when Joshua takes over and leads Israel into the promised land. Well, what happens to Moses? Uh, Satan is taking Moses to put him in Sheol, because Moses has sinned, and you cannot be in the company of God uh, and not and be soil with sin. It just doesn't, doesn't go. It's like gasoline and fire. But God loves Moses and instructs uh, Michael, go and get the body of Moses. So you read in Jude, A-U-D-E. It's such a short little book in the Bible. It doesn't even have chapters. So Michael challenges Satan, and Satan says, no, I'm not giving him up. Because that's Satan's job, is to carry these people uh, when they die and put them in Sheol, lock them up until Christ atones for their sins, and they are freed. And that's where paradise comes into. Remember, Christ said to the uh, thief next to him on the cross, he said when the thief asked him uh, to allow him in his kingdom, uh, and when he came into his kingdom and Christ said, I say to you, before this day is over, you will be with me in paradise. Well, uh, before, you know, like with Constantine and the first uh, churches uh, where Constantine a pope, appointed a pope in Rome and Constantine appointed 
a uh, high priest, uh, Orthodox Christian in uh, Constantinople. Now, uh, what did they teach? They taught there was purgatory. That's where you have to wait until you your sins uh, can be atoned for. Well, right now, today, the church has changed that because they realize that Christ's sacrifice was the atonement. People were saved. So there isn't a reason because the old church charged a lot of money for you to get dispensations. That's why Luther started his Lutheran church because he said it was wrong that the uh, Pope and the cardinals, the archbishops and the bishops, and the monsignors, they all got paid money uh, for people that would save and then try to buy their loved ones out of purgatory with uh, you know these high-up people in the church praying. Well, uh, Luther knew that wasn't true. Christ freed. Christ has the keys to Sheol. And so when he was in the grave, his uh, spirit, he went to, and can you imagine the, the, the huzzah is what Israel used to scream as victory when they see Christ coming and they are freed, all these great, wonderful heroes. Oh, wow, Samson. Now, Samson did a lot of things wrong, but do you suppose that he was one of those that was freed by Christ? I think so. And Gideon, and all those great, wonderful heroes. And so uh, now we have, we go to paradise, because we've accepted. Now, if we haven't accepted Christ, then uh, we don't go to paradise, but we wait, and that is what this whole Feast of Atonement is about, Ten days after Christ has come to claim this earth. And the reason we're talking about this is because this guy, Harold Camping, says the end of the world and the judgment is tomorrow. Now, please listen to me because this is, you know, so important to so many of you. I know it is. I watched my wife, a beautiful person. We were coming down. We have we come over the pass. Uh, to the east of Sandy Valley, and you can see the little valley below, but it's still like almost 10 miles, and you can coast all the way. And as we were coming down this nice long straightaway where you can just uh, put her in neutral, uh, I noticed that uh, my bride was weeping. Tears were running out of her eyes. She wasn't saying anything. And I asked her, what's the matter? Uh, why are you so heartbroken? And she says, I can't imagine. I am so wounded when I think that I will be judged someday at the great white throne judgment and all of the things that I have done and sinning on this earth will be made public for everybody to see. She said, it just breaks my heart. Now, to me, 
brought up with a grandma who did nothing but read me the Bible. It's the way I learned to read in Oklahoma. I knew I had read these. I was familiar with. Let me, if I can, so that uh, you can always say that you heard it. Jeremiah. I'm going to give you uh, some so you can run, tell people, uh, hey, you're not going to be tried for your sins if you accept Christ. And they're going to say, well, yes, you are, my preacher. See, that's the way that they make money from you. But Jeremiah, let's see, where am I at here? Chapter uh, 31, verse 34. Just, can I read that one verse to you? And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them. And the Lord, uh, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This is great news, men. Now, let me read you one other verse. In Zechariah, which was, I was telling you, the next to the last book, last book of the Bible, Malachi, Zechariah is next to the last book, last page, Zechariah, last paragraph uh, is, uh, starts with verse 16. This is about 500 years before Christ. And listen to what this prophet Zechariah says. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts. This is Christ during his millennial reign. And keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, during the millennium reign, here we are still keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, I mean, it's. do you see how important it is? And so I'm just trying to, and listen to this. Here's uh, in the New Testament. Maybe you say, well, I don't believe the Old Testament, though. Well, always look for three or four references, and you'll find them in the Bible. In Hebrews, and this is uh, chapter 8. Can I just read you, please, uh, just one, maybe two verses. Oh, here's chapter 8, verse 12, Hebrews. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith a new covenant, this is Christ, he hath made the first old, now that which decayeth and waxeth old, is ready to vanish away. So under Christ, he will remember our sins no more. Wow. And so, and can, uh, one, just one more, just one more. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 17 says, quote, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Friends, hallelujah. That means you are judged if you have accepted Christ's atonement. Then you are judged 
only for your glory, the degrees of glory. That's a happy time. That's nothing to be weeping over other than the fact that God loves you so much and that his son loved his father so much that he gave his life. And he loves us so much that he would suffer so that we might be free of all our mistakes. I mean, that is something again. And so don't worry about this guy, Harold Camping. Worry about your salvation. And it's free. You can't pay for it. But look, see how easy it is. And all you do is ask the Holy Spirit to come into your heart. See, the remember, that's been fulfilled. The Holy Spirit arrived ten days after Christ left his apostles. And uh, this would have been uh, like in uh, 35 A.D. And so uh, the Holy Spirit has been here, the great comforter, the great truth detector. The Holy Spirit gives us the gifts, gifts of prophecy, gifts of healing, gifts of speaking in tongues. It's wonderful. So how do you know if you are saved? If your life has changed, if all of a sudden you can keep the Ten Commandments, if all of a sudden you want to keep the Ten Commandments, if all of a sudden you want to know what God has said that he that pleases him, like uh, keeping the feast days, now you know that you have changed. All right, sorry uh, for preaching at you, but I don't want uh, Harold Camping to have much influence over you. Uh, it's not, it's not going to be good. All right. Now there is a lot of things that uh, are going on. Uh, we had the president make the statement that he thinks Netanyahu is with uh, Obama right now. And Obama uh, basically got the bird from Netanyahu. Obama says before the media that uh, Israel's borders should go back to the way they were in 1967. Well, in 1967, we had the Arab-Israeli War. And it was miraculous the way that Israel defeated nations that were far larger. When you look, look at Syria. Where is Syria? Syria is right up there surrounding Israel on the north. What surrounds Israel on the east? Jordan does. What surrounds Israel down south? Egypt does. Is Egypt bigger than uh, Israel? Is Jordan bigger than uh, Israel? Is Syria larger? Three at least, and more besides. Huge Arab militaries with tanks and aircraft and infantry attacked Israel in 1967. Now, Israel beat them so badly that... They held on to 
the areas that they advanced into, for example, uh, to the south of them came Egypt. They took the Gaza Strip. The Gaza Strip is on the Mediterranean, goes around to uh, the canal. And so Israel kept that. Now, Jordan, the West Bank, uh, was across the Jordan River, and Israel pushed Jordan all the way back from Jerusalem, pushed them all the way back across the Jordan River. So they gained a great piece of ground there that is called the West Bank. Now, possibly the most strategic uh, piece of ground is the Golan Heights. When you look and see that they are surrounded by Syria over there by Lebanon, well, they beat Syria so bad that they captured the entire Golan Heights which looks right down the throat at Damascus. And here is this huge water source where Christ is in a boat, comes across uh, this huge body of water, and that's where he met uh, the madman who was inhabited by a legion of demons. And that when he cast them out, they went into the body of swine who ran into the water and drowned themselves. Well, uh, Syria has begged Israel to give back the Golan Heights, but Israel never will, because strategically, this has got Syria tied down. Syria can't leave Damascus without Israel knowing it. And Jordan, and Egypt. And so uh, for uh, Obama, somebody that's never, I mean, as a socialist, uh, he lets other people fight his wars. Obama's never fought for anything. In Chicago, he may have uh, fought, you know, with the daily political machine and uh, how to uh, control neighborhoods. That's what Obama did. So, uh, it is, to me, it is wrong for Obama. It tells, it is the, it is the Muslim coming out of Obama. Because you know something? I'm really not for Israel. I think, I agree with uh, the little Iranian president, Ahmadinejad. Ahmadinejad says if it was the Germans in Europe that caused the Holocaust and destroyed your families, why didn't you take part of Europe? Why didn't you take Poland? Why didn't you take Czechoslovakia? Why didn't you take Hungary? Why didn't you uh, take parts of Russia you know, that ran you out uh, when you had the Bolshevik Revolution? Back in World War One, and when Stalin finally, after Marx, uh, Trotsky, Lenin, all these people, after they die, then Stalin takes over and turns against the Jews, which it was the Jews who actually $25 million given by Goldman Sachs a Bank in New York to Trotsky and Lenin. 
it paid for uh, $25 million in gold. And uh, so you see, why didn't the Jews take those countries and tell the U.N. we want a homeland? Instead, they went back where for thousands of years the Palestinians had occupied the areas where God had scattered Israel. There wasn't any. So who are the chosen people? By 70 A.D., the Romans had run all over the tribe of Judah. Before that, God had scattered and decimated the other ten tribes. So who are the chosen people? Well, you know that. I mean, what we have are Khazaris, to tell you the truth. As a matter of fact, uh, when you look at modern Judaism, you see the Sephardic uh, Jews are the Spanish Jews, the Ashkenazi Jews are the German Jews. But what tribes are these? This, these come from Khazaria. The king of Khazaria decided that his whole kingdom was going to become Jewish so that they could stay away from the Crusades because the Muslims were beating them up on one side and the Teutonic Knights were beating them up on the other side. So up in the Caucasus Mountains, what was uh, Russia and the Soviet Union, the Khazaris all became Jews, not by birth, not by any tribe. And that's what you got. So the Bible, at the end, when you read the Christ's last commandment, go, says go into the world to all uh, nations, kindreds, tongues, preach the gospel to all creatures, it says, and they who accept will be saved. Uh, what a message. So don't worry about this dude. Uh, worry about, you know, being getting yourself uh, together. Anyway, I think that it is dumb. It is, it's amazing to me, you know, how Obama can uh, so easily insert his foot in his mouth. He has done something that I think uh, shows uh, that he is, uh, it, it shows a lot of Islam. In Obama. Boy, I got so much to tell you, and I am running so uh, much out of time. Anyway, uh, what are we going to do? I guess I'll just have to say goodbye. Uh, by the way, if you have a Harley, you might be on it. If you have something favorite, get on it. Maybe tomorrow, if this guy is right, we get beamed up. Maybe I can take my Harley Davidson with me. My German Shepherd's already at Rainbow Bridge waiting on me, so I don't have to worry about putting him on the back of the motorcycle. All right, guys. I love you, and uh, I just tell you the things I do because I know they're true, and I want to see you live a better life, happier. So stay with American Voice Radio, and I'll see you moon day. But take care of the Sabbath. Figure that out, will you? See you later. Train to live off nature's land Trained in combat hand to hand Men who fight by night and day
Mission Critical with your host, Jay Shanahan, breaking the stranglehold of the New World Order. And now, Jay Shanahan. Shanahan, and this is the Condition Critical Show, my live show for Wednesday evening. It is already the 31st day of August 2016. The year is flying by, and summer is just about over, and uh, not a moment sooner. I don't like the heat. It's quite cool today, actually, up here in the state of Washington. It rained a little bit, so forth. Let's get a couple things out of the way. First off, you're listening, like I said, right here on the American Voice Radio Network. That means you can go to the American Voice Radio or AmericaVoiceRadio.com, which is a website, ladies and gentlemen, for this network. I have a website, ConditionCriticalShow.com. You should check that out as well. Post some articles on there. I'm pretty active on there, so forth. A couple donate links, and most important donate link is... Uh, the one for this network here. So when you visit the website, AmericanVoiceRadio.com, find that donate link and donate $5. Frank would appreciate it. So would I. Okay, what else? Call in number 1-800-932-1980. If you'd like to call in and talk to your host, if not, just sit back and listen. There is a chat room. Again, you can find that at the American Voice Radio or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. Okay. Well, I wasn't on last night. I apologize for that. Not my fault, uh, kind of, sort of. Power outage. A uh, transformer blew up somewhere here in the neighborhood and knocked out power to several homes, and we'd called them. That's happened about 7.30 in the evening. Called them, and they're like, yeah, we know. We'll have power back on by 10 o'clock. I'm thinking, okay, whatever. I mean, that's just an estimate, and I, I wasn't counting on it. But, I mean, they beat their estimate, so I have to give them. I mean, credits usually do where it's due. Power was back on by what, about 9.30, 9.30 in the evening. So they beat their estimate even by half an hour, and that's pretty unusual for Puget Sound Energy because uh, they're fairly incompetent. Anyway, so let's just get on with some things here. It's been a while. Haven't been on, like I say, I'm only on, well, I'll be on twice a week. Uh, starting next week because I wasn't on last night. So, you know, that's that's usually a problem when you have a lot to say and when when a lot goes on. The news cycle and, you know, things kind of happen really fast. And the big news last week was Colin Kaepernick. He's the the half of a black guy quarterback, and I'm not going to talk a lot about him, but there's a couple of things worth mentioning uh, about Colin Kaepernick. And is up here in Seattle, now I'm not a football fan, but you have the Seahawks up here, and you know they become quite popular because they got because Seattle they're very fair weather fans. Nothing like East Coast fans, you know, who, they, that they stick with their team. Oh yeah, they might boo them and throw stuff on the field. Uh, but take for instance, like the if just talking of football, like the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, they, they're a sellout all the time, even when they're very bad. And not, as far as I know, they haven't been really good in a long time, but they still have a solid fan base. Not out here. Yes, yeah, Seattle. They got Pete Carroll as their head coach. He came from USC. He he left USC in a shambles. They had to give back, I think, two of their national championships. One of the running backs, Reggie Bush, that that had won a Heisman Trophy, had to give that back, you know, because of all the cheating and corruption. And that's just how Pete Carroll is. He's a douchebag. 
and he's a piece of crap. Uh, but anyway, where was I going? Yeah, Seattle Seahawks uh, used to be in the AFC, the American Football Conference, and they had uh, the NFL realigned several years ago, moved them to the NFC, the National Football Conference, which placed them right into the uh, Western Division there, which means uh, they're in there with uh, San Francisco uh, 49ers. That's what they call them up here. They're the 49ers. Well, she got uh, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, GC, I don't even really know all the teams in the conference. But anyway, the point is that, the, 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 you know, San Francisco and Seattle, they're, they're like arch rivals, okay? And they call them the 49ers up here. And Colin Kaepernick up here is referred to as Colin Kaepernick. So Colin Kaepernick. And that's, that's clever, and it's funny. So let's just refer to him as Colin Kaepernick. And the only couple things worth mentioning, because it's really been beaten, and, I mean, he, he, he stepped in it. Uh, let's just start there, that he did step in it. He crossed the line, and he, you know, but what does he know? He's just some young half-of-a-black guy, kid, <clears throat> excuse me, who, who makes, now this is something you may not know, his salary is, is almost $20 million a year, and it's all guaranteed, by the way. Well, not all guaranteed. He signed like a huge, like a hundred and some million, it might have been $200 million contract, I don't know. Uh, but a, great, a large portion of that was guaranteed. Anyway, his, 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 his actual income per year is nearly $20 million. And so for him to come out and claim that, you know, we're a bunch of racists out here and and the black people. And another thing that he said that just kind of struck me is that he, he, and this is almost a direct quote from him, is that he considers himself part of the African community. He didn't say African-American, which leads me to believe he's kind of an idiot and doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Or maybe he wasn't reading the script properly, you know, because it's always my assumption, or it is my assumption, that, you know, idiots like this, and I kind of had this have the same theory and still do about that ass clown that calls himself Bruce Jenner that, you know, they made him famous and they give him all this money. Right. And, but you know, there's a hitch to it. They're somewhere along the line, they're going to want something back. And what they did with Bruce Jenner is it's like, okay, this is what we need you to do. We need you to put a dress on and dress up like a female. And that's what we need you to do to advance our, our degenerate agenda. And you can tell, and I said it back then, you can you can tell that it, he wasn't comfortable with it just by his just by his his whole you know disposition and his persona. Okay, you could tell he wasn't happy with it and he just wasn't comfortable with it. Okay, as simple as that. Now I haven't watched any of the coverage on this Colin Kaepernick idiot, but just by him, as they say, misspeaking. I love when they do that. Oh, I misspoke. You know, whatever, misspoke. But it just proves that, uh, you know, it just proves, number one, he's an idiot, and perhaps, number two, that there's something else going on here, that he read the script wrong, and instead of saying African-American, he, he said he puts himself in the African community. Well, look, he's half of a black guy. That's, to me, that is first and foremost, because I've said the same thing about the, our, our illustrious president, Barack Hussein Obama that calls himself a black guy and a Christian, by the way, and a, not a Muslim, but his middle name is a Hussein. Go figure. I mean, how many Christians give their, their, their kid a middle name like, like that? You know, 
How many Christians do you know uh, named Mustafa Muhammad Jones? You just don't. Okay, those are Muslims. Okay, simple as that. Or, or he's an idiot, but he's not. Anyway, Colin Kaepernick. So yeah, $20 million a year. Abandoned at six months of age by his white mother, who uh, mistakenly, foolishly uh, procreated with a black dude. And then he abandoned, you know, they, he, he's never been in the picture. Nobody's ever been able to find out even who this guy is, whatever. And maybe he's dead. Who knows? You would think if he was alive, he would be looking for some of them shekels that old Colin Kaepernick has pocketed. But uh, no, that hasn't happened as far as we know. Anyway, and so that's worth pointing out that, yeah, he was, he, his, his mother was white, abandoned at six months, abandoned. They say he, she gave him up, and he was eventually adopted by this white couple from Wisconsin. Why they would do that, you know, these are stupid white people that, that do things like this. His mother, his adoptive mother, is quoted as, and this is from dialogue from when he was young, I don't know if he was in grade school, maybe junior high, he and he he said to his his adoptive mother, uh, Mom, you know, geez, I I go to school and I you know I don't look like the other kid, duh, right? I mean, Wisconsin back then it was predominantly it was probably ninety five percent white, you know. So these couple of idiots think they're doing, you know, this is just it's just astonishing how the white white people can be so stupid sometimes. Anyway, so he he yeah, I don't look like you and uh, the kids at school. I don't look like. How come I don't look like uh, you or dad or or whatever, mom? And his mother's like, well, uh, we're not your parent, or whatever. We adopted you, and and don't feel bad. And she and, and now I, I I don't have all the dialogue here in my head, and I'm not reading it from anywhere that uh, where I got it. So I'm just paraphrasing. She said something like this to him. She said, uh, you have she something like this. She's like, you have. She said something like trying to figure. Remember, it's like. I wish I had beautiful brown skin like you. Isn't that nauseating? To me, it's nauseating for her to say something like that. You don't think that, could you imagine a black couple adopting a white kid and a white kid, geez, uh, we're in the ghetto here. And uh, man, I really stand out. It's just different. Uh, How come I don't look like you? Oh, it's okay, Johnny. You know, uh, we love you and your dad loves you and, I know you got to run home from school and you got to hide and, and I understand that, but you know, you're just, you, know, I, you look at your skin. I, I wish I had beautiful white skin like you. Do you really think that a black person would say that? No, of course not. Anyway, I think that's about all I want to beat up on uh, Colin Kaepernick because he's done quite enough on his own. His career, it, it was, wasn't very, going very well to begin with. So, uh, and now the San Francisco 41ers are contemplating even trading this jack wagon. So there you go. But what does he care? Because his contract is money's all guaranteed anyway. So yeah, I wish I could be oppressed is just a smidgen, a sliver of how, uh, 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 how he's been oppressed. Just it's, it's unbelievable. Okay. So let's move on. Okay. So Donald Trump was uh, in ever up in Everett, Washington last night. i called in. I think I did call in last night to the show and I think I mentioned that. And this morning, uh, and it's on YouTube, uh, it's about an hour and 20-some minutes, and there were other speakers, and I just kind of breezed through it. And I got to tell you, I only watched, I can't, I, I got only about 10 minutes, I think, of Donald Trump. And maybe that's unfair, but and maybe I should go back and watch the rest of it. He's not a very good public speaker, and that's not, that, to me, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't, you know... 
I don't think we need a slick talking president or a slick talking politician. I think we're actually we I, I would rather not have a slick talking politician. On the other hand, uh, and again, I, di- I didn't watch the whole thing, so perhaps I should withhold judgment. But uh, just a, you know, the ten minutes I did watch, and that was about all it was. And about half of that time, he was pandering to the blacks and to the Latinos, and that's how he referred to them. And he referred to the blacks as blacks and not African American. They could, he vacillated back and forth between referring to them as African Americans and sometimes blacks. It, it, no big deal to me. He is better than Obama, Frank. Absolutely. Uh, but again, he was, that's the, what I, that was the gist I got is he was pandering to that. And I had seen that coming, uh, because that's kind of where they're trying to push him. He, he's, uh, and I get it. You got to go out there and get votes, but I don't think you should pander to any one particular group. Why don't you just pander to the American people? Uh, why let's stop this nonsense with, uh, having to go after a particular vote. Oh, we got to go after the woman vote. Oh, we got to go after the, the homos and, and, the, you know, we, we got all these people, you know, categorized, you know, but you never hear them say we're going to go. We have to go after the white vote. You never hear that. It's always we got to go after the homos, the blacks, the Muslims, the Latinos, on and on and on. And they freaking uh, they, you name it. Okay, never the white vote. That because that would be racist, don't you know? Anyway, so the reason I bring up Trump is now here's the headline, and this is from out here in the state of Washington. The headline is teachers presidential campaign till negatively impacting Washington kids. That's the headline. And, you know, these new crop of public school teachers, and they've always been this way to some degree, but it just seems to me that it's, it's way worse. You know, with this new crop, if you will, of, of current public school teachers being so brainwashed that it's, it's just unbelievable. I mean, there is no common sense anymore in the public school uh, realm. None with the teachers and the administrators. None. None. They're all freaking out of their minds. Okay. No, he doesn't. Uh, and I haven't seen any coverage, and I'm commenting on uh, what Frank is saying in the chat room for some of the listeners out there. A couple of shows ago, I it seemed like I was rambling, and and... And then, you know, the people in the audience might be going, Who, who's he talking to? Well, when I, when I make a comment like I just did there, I, I guess I should be, you know, be clear. I'm commenting Frank in the chat room uh, posted, and he doesn't just freeze and forget where he is, who he is, and what he was saying, like the Hilda Beast, a.k.a. Uh, Hillary Clinton. And no, Hillary Clinton's in bad shape, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I think I talked about it last week, but I want to get to this article. And, and again, the headline was presidential campaign tone negatively impacting Washington kids. I'll just read from the article briefly. It's a teaching moment that still makes, what's her name, Carrie Ann McMichael's skin crawl. That winter morning in her sixth grade Tumwater class, Tumwater is a town south of Olympia, which is the state capital. It's essentially right next to it. It's just right there, part of, anyway, Olympia, Washington, just geographically there. Tumwater class when a few white students, and uh, unbelievable why they have to, they would never say if it had been a black student, a black student. Don't you unbelievable a few when a few white students said that all muslims should be banned from the united states okay so this is a grade school class i'm guessing here she continued on here's a quote they said they were afraid of my muslims my muslims to her muslim students and that these muslim kids were planning to bomb the schools 
and terrorize people, said McMichael, the former Peter G. Schmidt elementary school teacher. The former, so she's not there anymore. Maybe they sent her off somewhere else. Who knows? The Muslim, the Muslim students came quick to their own defense. I'm not a Muslim. I'm not a Muslim. Now, do you really believe this? Do you really believe that some kids got up in class and said that? Uh, I don't think so. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't think so. In this classroom, the only defense they had was to hide their true beliefs. Oh, I could feel their suffering, and I could see it on their faces. McMichael wailed or cried or whatever, says here she recalled. I don't understand why an 11-year-old is being accused of plotting to blow up our school. Well, as another quote, well, let's see, because that's what Muslims do, right? It's like... You know, when you, if you go play with a rattlesnake, let's say you just figure you're going to go out to the woods tomorrow and you're just going to play with, you're going to go find a rattlesnake and you're going to go, going to go play with it. Yeah, I know. Um, but I have to continue on, Frank. So if, if you're going to cry, I apologize. I understand. I'm sure Melissa can find you a box of tissues. So anyway, back getting back to the rattlesnake. I mean, you wouldn't just go with, I mean, unless you were a retard, right? Unless you were like a retard, a real one. Okay, and you went and dum de dum and you started fiddling around and, and poking a rattlesnake with a stick, and of course it's going to bite you, and they're venomous, lethal venom, and you're going to die. Okay, so there's two and two. There's, you know, there's a way, there's this, the flow chart, you know, where you can, okay, if I do this, this is going to happen. If this is over here happens and, in conjunction with that, this is going to happen. See, it's like a puzzle. Two and two put things together. Muslims strap bombs to themselves, and they blow stuff up. That's what they do. So don't, don't we have these instances happening on a weekly basis, it seems? So is it that far-fetched for a kid to, to you know, kind of think, well, uh, I think this could happen? Yeah, I think it's appropriate to think that way. Uh, whatever. But, you know, whatever. Okay, I'll continue on. It's no coincidence, McMichael said, that weeks before chaos erupted in her classroom, Donald Trump called for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the country, much like Franklin Delano Roosevelt interned Japanese, much like Jimmy Carter had a moratorium on Iranians. I, I think uh, Clinton uh, had done something similar. Uh, this is what happens. This is what countries should do when there is an identifiable uh, threat. Uh, you have to take measures to protect your nation and your people, it's the responsible thing to do. It was not an irresponsible thing or a that be racist moment for Donald Trump to say something like that. It's only that way for idiots and for people that want nothing. And it's something that I've never understood because, you know, we're all in this thing together here, ladies and gentlemen, Miss McMichael, wherever you're teaching now. Wherever they're allowing you to teach now, you have to understand, you know, that when you walk into a Starbucks coffee shop, you're putting your life in danger. All, maybe it's just an infant, in this very small amount of danger. I understand that, but you're still putting your life in danger because these Muslims don't go to the state capitals and blow up the, the house, the body Congress. They go and blow up people in coffee shops and in train stations and in schools. How many schools have been attacked in Europe by Muslim savages, Miss McMichael? Okay. Let's see. So it continues on. From his repeated vows to build a wall separating the U.S. from Mexico to his off-the-cuff remarks about certain groups of immigrants, 
Kids are picking up the Republican presidential nominee statements on immigration that have become synonymous, become synonymous with his name. Again, uh, repeated vows to build a wall separating the U.S. from Mexico. Well, first of all, with all the talk of building a wall at, in Mexico from uh, numerous politicians, including John McShane, that that that, that dirtbag down there in Arizona who just won his primary, and now there's only three reasons that people like Rubio, Marco Rubio won his primary. Deborah, Debbie Blabbermouth Schultz won her primary. Now, they're saying that it's the power of incumbency. I, I'm saying, look, there can only be really one of maybe two or three reasons why these douchebags g- keep getting back in office. Either one, people are idiots, and that's probably the most likely is that people are just idiots. Two, or two, with maybe a little bit of one mixed in, is that the elections are rigged, that these things are rigged. Now, I know that's conspiratorial, and it sounds, it sounds like right-wing kookery, but, you know, it has to be said. So that's two. Three, well, that's, the, that's I don't know. Okay, that's the third option is maybe I don't know what the hell I'm talking about because I can't for the life of me figure out what the hell's wrong with people in Arizona. I just can't. John McCain is a dirtbag. But anyway, I'm getting off the track here. But it's, it's, it's astonishing that these people keep getting back in office. Okay. But the wall, like I was saying, there should be a hundred of these dang things by now. Okay, that was my point. Trump said he's going to build a wall. McCain, everybody, we should have, if not a hundred of them, we should, at least if they're going to build it on top of the other, it should be a freaking thousand feet high by now. But my, you know, at the end of the day, we don't need a wall. We have definable borders. It's real simple. Just, 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 you know, enforce the law, you know, enforce the immigration laws and, and standards and procedures and, and simple as that. Okay, we know what the hell's going on. It's not that complicated. Let's not try and complicate things further. Uh, all the primaries are run by the parties themselves. There is no th- third-party oversight, and that is correct, Frank. And I think I pointed that out oh, six months ago or something like that. And I've been wanting to do somewhat of an expose on that whole thing about the Republican National Committee, and, and, and not just them, but the Democratic National Committee, and the Committee for Presidential Debates, because... Now, this is a fact that the the Committee for Presidential Debates is headed by members of both the Republican and Democratic National Committees. It's a private-run organization, and they handpick the questions, and and they handpick the candidates. Somewhat at the end of the day, it seems this time around, they didn't get their way, at least the Republicans. Well, the Democrats, too. I mean, this time around, it, it appears that we, at least that, you know, happened to them, and that was a good thing. Uh, now, Bernie Sanders is an idiot, but, you know, Hillary Clinton is stands alone. OK. And so there was a little bit of defiance on both parties. So, yeah, that was kind of cool. And I think on both sides of the aisle, it was a good thing to shake things up. Anyway, let me continue on with this article. For many Trump supporters, well, I'm getting close to break here. And Frank, uh, I sent you my music in Skype. I, I trust that you got my music. So I'll continue on with the article briefly here until the uh, until the break. For many Trump supporters, the tone of his campaign is what enamors them and what keeps them from coming to the candidate's defense. He breaks traditional poli- traditional politicians' mold. Breaks tra- the traditional. Po- it doesn't say that it's not written. It's written poorly, as most news articles are. And experts said that's been key to the success of his campaign. Well, th- yeah, that's that much. Just coming from a truck driver, uh, that much is, is true. But McMichael. And scores of other teachers across the country, scores of other teachers across the country, 
are drawing parallels between the bold and divisive rhetoric of the 2016 presidential campaign and an increased level of fear they've observed in their classrooms, especially among students of color and the children of foreign-born parents. Well, there you go. Maybe, and I will, I want to finish up with this article after the break, especially among students of color. Well, I guess white's not a color. Anyway, enjoy the music. We'll see you after the break.
found that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866-229- 3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three W's.thepowerherbs.com. People realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time, I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserved or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com.
Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy. Increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
Oh, that was abrupt. Welcome back, folks. Second half, condition critical. I'm your host, Jay Shanahan. My live show for Wednesday, 31st day of August, 2016, 40 minutes past the hour now, 41 minutes past the hour. And you're listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. A little bit of music there for you. I hope you enjoyed during the break. Sex Pistols and ACDC. Not huge fans of both groups, but they both respectively had some... uh, couple of good songs. Okay, I want to continue on with this article. And the reason why, it's important because this this is going on in, in every public school and in every public school district across this once great nation. You have these teachers, like she said, and there was a quote from her, my students, they really consider your kids theirs when they're there. And not just there anymore, because they have their tentacles, if you will, have, you know, they in other, in other words, they have infected the, the households even. They, they, you know, they want to try and tell you, you how to raise your kids, was I guess what I'm saying. Okay. And, and that's not just hyperbole. That's a fact. So let me continue on with this article. <clears throat> I'll start over from just the last sentence of her quote where she said, and this is a quote, I could feel their suffering and I could see it on their faces. And that's tripe. Okay. That's tripe. Let's see here. Yeah, there was that part. I think I talked about that part. The Muslims, yeah, for many Trump supporters, exactly. Yeah, but Michael. And now here's here's here here here's where I want to start from. But McMichael, and this is the teacher now, and scores of other teachers across the country are drawing parallels between. I think I said this, but it's uh, it's important to, to go back as we had the break. So, the divisive rhetoric of 2016 campaign, especially students of color. Right. Okay, that's where I left off. That's where I was trying to find where I had left off. Sometimes, come on. My screen doesn't like to uh, uh, work for me. It's working now. Here we go. In June, this is, would have been this year, <clears throat> June of this year, a Washington state education official suggested to some of the state's K-12 through teachers that they should take preemptive action to protect students from getting hurt by the 20, 000, uh, 2016 uh, political tone, specifically from the GOP nominee. Now, okay, I'm going to read that over. Okay, you need to listen to this. In June, a Washington state education official suggested, which means it was a directive, to some of the state's K-12 teachers that they should take preemptive action to protect students from getting hurt by the 2016 political tone, especially or specifically from the GOP nominee. Now, i got to ask you, this is a public school, School, okay, let's kind of, okay, remember the flow chart thing. Let's kind of extrapolate this thing out. Public school, okay, so it's public school. Send kids to school. Uh, what are they really supposed to be doing at school? Let's see. Uh, I don't know, English maybe? Teaching kids English composition, how to write, talk, a C-spot run, right? Uh, Bob went to the store, so on and so forth, right? Go to your next class. What are you supposed to learn at the next class? Okay. Uh, okay, uh, Johnny, Susie, uh, here you go on the chalkboard. One plus one. Okay, write that down. One plus one equals. Okay, remember we went through this lesson uh, addition. This is addition, right? One plus one equals. It equals, well, it equals really whatever, you know, your, whatever your best effort, you know, it comes up with, right? And any more. But you catch my drift, right? And you go on to the next class. And then you learn, you know, whatever it is. Okay. 
my my point is what 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 purpose what what place in in a public school setting unless it's in like social studies right or civics class which is what it used to be or some political maybe in a may I could maybe see in an advanced uh higher grade you know political maybe a discussion class forum type thing that maybe you would talk about things like this. Other than that, what place would this type of now? And again, but at the same time, they're not, he's not describing what preemptive action. There's no description of what that would be, but you could imagine. But at the same time, my point is what place does that have in a public school setting? Well, it has no place in a public school setting. Obviously the article goes on and this is a quote. The anxiety is real. The reality is, is that some of these students, parents, are not documented, meaning, meaning, okay, that's doublespeak. They're not documented. What's that mean? Uh, what's that mean? I don't have any, do- I don't carry documents around. Who carries documents around with them? I mean, I often, well, I never carry documents. Well, not never. Sometimes, I guess, maybe. But I'm, I'm, all, I'm often undocumented myself. What the hell does that mean? Uh, you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen, or perhaps there are some out there that don't. That means they're illegal alien savages. There you go. Now I added the savage part. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Now this is coming from Maureen Costello. She is the, now listen here, she's the director of the teaching tolerance program at the, wait for it, are you ready? The Southern Poverty Law Center. That's right. She went on to quote, They're uncertain about what can happen and how much power a president actually has. Well, that's the end of that was a a pretty good question or a a good observation to have. And because presidents don't necessarily really have that much power, but I digress. It goes on. Now, again, you have to understand this is coming from Maureen Costello. So now we have... Uh, uh, and she's the director of this Teaching Tolerance, and that's the name of the program, Teaching Tolerance, Southern Poverty Law Center. She is where she's from. And now this is what is we have as attached to the public schools out here in Washington, at least to some degree, it appears. When some students leave, when some students leave Katie Hirschfield's classroom, the high school teacher knows there's a chance they may never return. <laughs> okay. And this is how they have to kind of amp it up and kind of, you know, get, get people to kind of maybe feel sorry for these savages, you know, because that's nonsense. We're not deporting anybody. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it ain't happening. Well, it should, but it isn't. So that's, yeah. Quote, I've had four or five students get up out of the classroom and walk out of school because they had have to pick up their little brothers and sisters and go gather the family members that are left, she said. Nonsense. Okay. Crap. Bull crap. It goes on, though. The article keeps getting better and better. The English teacher has a front row seat to the immigration sweeps that have torn undocumented Hispanic families apart in the Aberdeen School District. After a raid last year, one of Hirschfield's Hispanic students spent several weeks terrified. Hiding out in the car, the teacher said. Sure. The raids aren't new for the 30-year-long uh, teaching veteran, but the ways Hirschfield students have been responding to them... She blames, wait for it, the GOP presidential nominee. Of course, because he's a racist. 
Quote, I think Trump's rhetoric has brought out this layer of pervasive hatred and a real and a real and a real level of intolerance for wait for it. Diversity, said the teacher. Hirschfield is one of about 2000 K through 12 teachers nationwide who responded to the five question survey from the Southern Poverty Law Center about how the 20,000 or the 2016 presidential election is impacting students. Now, I posted a link to this, uh, what I'm reading from in the chat room. Perhaps you could check it out. And I could actually, let's see how much further this, the article goes on quite a ways, but I think you get the gist. There's a little video to it. You should really check it out. You know what? Because with the remaining time, I'm going to try and do this. This would be interesting. There's a link to the to this five-question survey from the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center. Well, let's just see what these questions are. Okay, here we go. The Trump effect. Now, this is the title of this survey, the Trump effect. Subtitle, the impact of the 2016 election on nations, on the nation's schools. Survey comments about the survey. These were, and it's very small. These verbatim comments come, came in response to questions on a survey asking educators about the impact of the 2016 election campaign on students and schools. The survey was conducted by Teaching Tolerance, a project of the Southern Poverty Law Center from March 31st to April 2nd of 2016. So that's not a lot of time, but it, it, this is pretty recent. But what is that, a span of like three days? Hold on one second. I got to reach for my water. Okay, pardon me. A link to the survey was sent to educators who subscribed or who subscribed to the Teaching Tolerance newsletter. Jeez, wow. So they got a newsletter and teachers subscribed to it. Well, we should find out who those teachers are and get them out of there, okay? And get them the hell out of there. That's what we need to do. And also shared on Teaching Tolerance, blah, 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 blah. Okay, let's get to the uh, questions. Respondents were also able to provide free responses free responses to these to these five open-ended questions and again it's pretty small so let me just kind of reposition my device here i'm reading off of an ipad ladies and gentlemen because it works better than my laptop so so here we go okay here question one have you seen the rhetoric of this year's presidential campaign affect your students your school that was the first question again have you seen the rhetoric of this year's presidential campaign affect your students, your school? Question two, if you have witnessed bullying or biased language at your school from adults or students that mimics the rhetoric of the campaign, please tell us about it. That's not a question. Okay. Yeah. Their survey only has liberal scum that subscribe to their real friend. Yeah, exactly, Frank. But now the question two. And it's not really a question. Listen to this. If you have witnessed bullying or biased language at your school from adults or students that mimics the rhetoric of the campaign, please tell us about it. How is that a question? I encourage you all to go to this survey and you tell me, Frank, if you can pull up that survey, go to question two. Is that a question? That doesn't, that doesn't appear to be a question to me. Question three, have you changed the way you approach teaching about the election this year? If so, how? Question. Well, they have question five before question four. I don't know why, but that's how it appears in the survey. It goes Q1, Q2, Q3, 
Q5 than Q4, which, hey, I guess in new math, that's appropriate. And how ironic at the same time. Hmm. 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 <laughs> Interesting that they put question five. Okay, never mind. Because like I said, one plus one, you know, it can equal whatever you think it equals there, Johnny, and you're going to get an A. Well, question four now is question five and question five is question four, blah, blah. Okay. Whatever. Here's question four. Do you have, do you have additional comments? That's the, that's the question. Do you have additional comments? Then the last question is, what resources do you need to help you teach safely and effectively about the 2016 election? And again, that's not necessarily a question. Okay. These are, these are, to me, they're like directives or, or protocols or, or something here. These aren't really questions. Check it out for yourself, though. You tell me. Here's, and there's a little something at the end. It says, in the course of a week, almost 2,000 people responded to the survey. Collectively, they submitted over 5,000 comments. The comments are verbatim, except in cases where they contain personal identifiable information, in which case that information has been removed. In other words, uh, has been stored somewhere else. So they, you know, they, they ain't getting rid of nothing. They want to know exactly who you are and what you're doing. Well, there you go. Pretty interesting, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, well, there's some comments and they begin on the next page. And I don't know. Let's see here. Oh, well, this thing does go well. There's actually 237 pages to this survey. Interesting. And okay, that's interesting. So yeah, maybe you should go to this, uh, Maybe I should take some time. It's too bad that uh, I'm not going to be on the air tomorrow because I could go over this further. But for, perhaps, Frank, uh, maybe you could take this up. It's pretty telling. I'm going on to the next page, and there's comments to each question. So the first question, again, was how have – I have a little bit of time here, not much. How have you seen the rhetoric of this year's presidential campaign affect uh, your students, your school? That was the first question. And then they, they're having some comments here. And the first comment is, no, but we are an elementary school. Pretty benign. Second comment, they hesitate to voice their opinions in respect for the opinions of others and in fear of retribution. Sure, that now, right, you had to add that. The first part was, okay, yeah, respect for others. What's wrong with that? Third comment, and they're not numbered in, in any particular order, okay? Students from families supporting Repub Republican candidates, especially, but not limited to Trump, have been much more vocal about their distrust of Muslims and President Barack Hussein Obama. They just say President Obama. Here's another comment, and I'm just kind of starting from the top, and I'm not cherry-picking any of these. This election cycle has become more than a joke. My immigrant students, illegal and legal, are asking questions that they tell me they are scared. The Republican rhetoric about walls and keeping them out is frightening. The lack of tolerance is appalling. Well, with that, because we're getting towards, well, I maybe have time for one more. There has been an increase in bullying by way of accusing each other that they are Trump supporters to isolate them from the social groups, whatever that means. The language is a return to isolationism and a promotion of racism that hasn't been seen since the 1920s. We haven't addressed it head on yet. Some of the kids asked me who I voted for in the primary. I wore my I voted sticker to a group. Well, we know, you know, you know who these teachers are voting for. Kids are asking frightening questions rather than positive ones. Fear among Muslims and Latino students. 
My fourth graders are having a difficult time understanding why Donald Trump is using such hateful and inflammatory rhetoric. One of my students, who is Muslim, is worried that he will have to wear a microchip identifying him as a Muslim. Okay, I'll stop there. <sighs> That's the public schools, man, right there. You want to talk about uh, a microchip, let's talk about a microcosm of what's going on all across this nation. You know, uh, because, like, you know, this is a national-based survey coming from the Southern Poverty Law Center. And their goal, we all know what their goal is. These are, these are Marxist, outright Marxists that despise America and despise American values. And, and more importantly, ladies and gentlemen, they despise Western culture. You know, yeah, the election this year is about, the, you know, has somewhat become about globalism versus nationalism. But it's also about Western culture. Western culture is, is, you know, is, you know, Muslims are not compatible with Western culture. Uh, Africans are not compatible with Western culture. We are our own culture. And that's oh, just almost lost my device there. And that's kind of a, a kind of a, a sub, you know, kind of thing, if you will, about what's kind of going on in this election right now. And we are, ladies and gentlemen, we are at a precipice, I believe. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, that this may be our last, you know, I hesitate to use the word free election, uh, but it may be, because they're ramping things up. Frank talked about it last night on his show, about maybe the Homeland Security Department taking over the elections and so forth. Anyway, I see I'm getting close to the end of the show. So I want to end, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening, and God bless all of you. And just remember this, because I say it, I say it every week, and I mean it that you have to, wherever you are on God's green earth, you have to become a domestic terrorist because we are being bullied. You want to talk about bullying? We are being bullied by a federal government that just hates us and despises us and wants us dead. So become a domestic terrorist, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are. Because at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, freedom only comes from the sword. God bless you all. Talk to you next week.
can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and check out all the different ways to listen to AVR. And it is my live show tonight on Monday, July 25th, 2016. And we're trying to troubleshoot why I'm having problems, audio problems on my show. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going out, so I'm waiting to hear from Frank on that. But uh, anyway, he gave me a different microphone to try out, one of his extra ones. So hopefully I'm going out. Um, So anyway, I'm just going to continue on until I hear otherwise. So, all right. Thank you to all of you who do donate to AVR and who support us in many different ways. Okay, now I can hear myself. All right, so I'll start all over. Welcome to New World Order Info. I'm Melissa Roxanne, and you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and check out all the different ways to listen. And it is my live show tonight on Monday, July 25th, 2016. And I had to unplug my mic, so... I don't know what the problem is. We're trying different things to try to troubleshoot why I'm having audio problems for a while now on my show. So I had to unplug my mic. I was watching and waiting to hear from Frank. Um, Okay. Now I'm going out, so that's a good thing. So thanks to all of you who donate to us and support us in many different ways and for all of you who listen around the world, to our micro-broadcasters, and to all of you who donate to us and tell others about us, we appreciate that. And those of you who purchase different things from us and our sponsors and those that you hear on AVR. So those are lots of different things you can do to help us out, Then we do appreciate all of that. And don't forget about our great deal on organic sulfur, like you hear on our our ads, and we have a great distiller, uh, in fact, you know, different ones of those available, so those are really good things for your health or your loved one's health, and they make great gifts, and so check out all of those. Okay, so I'm going to get back into this book that I have here. It's a great health book. It's one of my very favorite health books that I have, and I have a lot. And it's Miracle Medicine Foods, that's the title, by Rex Adams. So I've been giving you info from that. If you want to hear, you know, my latest show, I didn't do a show last week due to technical problems, but you can hear the week before uh, my last show that I did, and it was on kidney, bladder, and urinary problems, and different things that people have done to get fantastic results and uh, to get rid of excess water weight Um, and and about kidney bean pods and how to prepare those, not the kidney beans themselves, but the pods for the kidney beans. And the kidney beans are shaped like our kidneys. 
So that was probably our Heavenly Father right there making them that shape to let us know that they're good for our kidneys, etc. For healing those and keeping our kidneys functioning well and all that. Okay, so now I'm going to continue on with more information tonight about getting instant relief for kidney, bladder, and urinary problems. And like I told you, this book is available. You can get it on Amazon.com. I don't remember exactly how much money, but it was around $8 or less, I believe. So you can uh, look for that there or elsewhere, but that's where I've seen it. Uh, I did not purchase mine there. I think I got mine for free, probably. But... um. I can't remember exactly if I didn't. I didn't pay much for it. So, um, I'm going to get back into the kidney, bladder, and urinary problems now. Always check with your licensed medical practitioner or practitioners and do the research. And if it has to do with an animal, you know, check with your vet, veterinarian, about that and do the research as well. Okay, so... Mr. H.M. writes, Four weeks ago, I developed unimaginable pain in the urinary tract, which was both frightening and embarrassing. After hours of indecision, I visited an emergency clinic at a very fine New York hospital and was prescribed a sulfa drug, not sulfur, but sulfa with an A at the end, uh, sulfa drug and was shoved out the door. Total cost $45. And this was back when the book was written anyway. It was 1977 when it came out. So I'm sure $45 back then was a lot more money. You know, it would be equivalent to a lot more money nowadays. Four days later, the pain was worse and swelling had spread to the prostate gland and the testicles. I went to my own doctor who gave me the choice of staying on the drug or experimenting with other drugs. I chose the new prescription. Total cost, second visit, $25. I tore up the prescription on the way home. By chance, my eyes ran across an old copy of a book of herbal remedies, including Golden Seal, Chaparral, or chaparral, I think it is, lemongrass, and Spanish eucalyptus. I purchased the teas and drank more than a quart an hour, rotating the varieties to avoid boredom. I also used a little honey. Within six hours, I could urinate without pain. In the morning, all swelling was gone from each area. I continued for three days as a safeguard. If this can help someone in pain, I will be very happy. Total cost of teas, $6, and only a small amount of the packages were used. Asparagus is a wonder food. Asparagus contains a large amount of a therapeutically active substance called asparagin, which is reportedly of great benefit in cases of kidney dysfunction. It has been said that the juice of this vegetable helps the breaking up of oxalic acid crystals in the kidneys and throughout the muscular system, 
and is good for rheumatism and neuritis. Reported cases. One woman reports that asparagus therapy cured her kidney disease, which started in 1949. She had over 30 operations for kidney stones and was receiving government disability payments for a terminal kidney condition, inoperable, meaning she was going to die according to what the doctor said, and there was nothing they could do for her. They couldn't operate on her, et cetera, to heal her. She attributes the cure for this kidney trouble entirely to the asparagus therapy. A 68-year-old businessman had suffered from bladder trouble for 16 years. After years of medical treatments, including cobalt radiation, that's really, really bad to get radiated. Like, that's going to, you know, help you to heal. That's going to do nothing but probably, you know, definitely hurt you tremendously, hurt your immune system, you know, cause you all kinds of health problems and could lead to getting cancer, you know, the more you're exposed to radiation. So without improvement, after all that, he went on asparagus. Within three months, hospital examinations revealed that his bladder tumor had disappeared and that his kidneys were normal. All he did was use asparagus to heal himself. Today, he seems as healthy as before the disease started. And he had suffered from bladder trouble for 68 year, for 16 years, I'm sorry. He was 68 years old, a businessman, and he had years of medical treatments and suffered for 16 years from bladder trouble. He had a bladder tumor, it disappeared, and his kidneys were normal after using asparagus. A biochemist who studied these cases says, I was not surprised at these results. As a book, The Elements of Materia Medica, edited in 1854 by a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, states that asparagus was used as a popular remedy for kidney stones. He even refers to experiments made in 1739 on the power of asparagus to dissolve urinary stones. Asparagus contains a good supply of proteins called histones, which are believed to be active in controlling cell growth and acts as a general body tonic. This biochemist recommends cooked asparagus, blended or pureed, four tablespoons twice daily, morning and evening diluted with water if desired, and used as a cold or hot drink. Used this way, he says, it is a harmless substance. So I'll repeat that. This biochemist recommends cooked asparagus, blended or pureed, four tablespoons twice daily, morning and evening, diluted with water if desired, and used as a cold or hot drink. Used this way, he says, it is a harmless substance. And I would be using 
good filtered water, you know, reverse osmosis or distilled water, etc., or ozonated water. I would not use, you know, tap water. I would not use well water that was not filtered or something like that. I would use really good quality filtered water. No chlorine, no fluoride or anything like that in it. Or pesticides, etc. Okay, parsley, the miracle herb we'll talk about next. Parsley juice has been found valuable in removing poisons from the body. It is used medicinally for a variety of illnesses, but more particularly for gravel and kidney stones and other urinary disorders. Culpepper wrote, The seed is effectual to break the kidney stones and ease the pains and torments thereof. Here are some reported cases. Mrs. MDR reports, I was incapacitated by what was diagnosed as toxic poisoning accompanied by a tough case of pyelitis, which is inflammation of the kidneys. For two years, I helped support a general practitioner and a neurologist. At the end of that time, I could not walk across the room without help. I had lost 50 pounds and my pocketbook was a mere shadow of its former self. An acquaintance asked me if I had tried parsley tea. As I had never done this, he gave me these instructions. Take a fresh bunch of parsley. Wash it in cold water. Place it in a dish and cover with scalding hot water. Cover to keep warm. When cold, pour off the liquid and drink during a 24-hour period. Repeat daily until cured. So again, her friend told her to use parsley tea and... Here's the instructions once again. Take a fresh bunch of parsley, wash it in cold water, place in a dish, and cover with scalding hot water. Cover to keep warm. When cold, pour off the liquid and drink during a 24-hour period. Repeat daily until cured. And this woman says, I've recommended this to many people. They never fail to get a cure regardless of whether it is a kidney or bladder complaint. I've never known it to require more than three weeks for a cure and have known several cases where only three days were necessary. My own case required between two and three weeks for a cure and there has been a lapse of 35 years without a recurrence. So she did it for two to three weeks, she was healed. She healed her body by doing this, by using the parsley tea, basically. And she has had 35 years since then without having it happen again to her. So she's been healed. Okay, a few months ago, I heard that a friend was having kidney trouble. Without further investigation, I sent her the above instructions, the woman says. About a month later, I received a two-page letter stating that she had been under a doctor's care for six months 
with two hospital confinements. She received my letter on the day that she returned from the last hospital trip and was ready to try anything once. In three days, her urine was perfectly clear and she was ready to resume her household duties in her mobile home. In a week's time, she was covering the park to catch up on her social obligations and tell the world about her wonderful wonderful cure. So she was healed as well. And in three days, it looks like she was healed. Okay, so those are really good testimonials, and I would definitely try them. Um, the parsley one is particularly for gravel and kidney stones and other urinary disorders. And they seem to break the kidney stones and ease the pains and torments thereof. And it's parsley juice is what it is, basically. Parsley put into water and, you know, placed in a dish with... Um, cold water and then covered with scalding hot water and covered to keep it warm and then when cold the liquids poured off and, and drank during a 24-hour period and then it's repeated daily until cured. All right, so now we'll move on to kidney and prostate problems that are relieved. Mr. A.O. reports, I found relief from prostate trouble which woke me up several times nightly with zinc gluconate, a type of zinc, zinc gluconate. I'm free of this problem as long as I take zinc. It is available at most health food stores. In addition, I had a very painful kidney stone that x-rays showed to be the size of a plum seed. That is pretty big. The doctor said I could lose my kidney. I began taking 50 milligrams of vitamin B6 and magnesium oxide, 415 milligrams, twice daily, and found I could get relief. But when I ran out of zinc, which was the zinc gluconate for the prostate, the severe pain in my kidney returned. I am now taking 15 milligrams of zinc twice daily, and, and they use zinc gluconate for that, and am happy to report my pain is gone. Needless to say, I will not be without my zinc, B6, and magnesium. So they use magnesium oxide, vitamin B6, and zinc gluconate. And they healed themselves of prostate trouble and severe pain in the kidney. And apparently the painful kidney stone was dissolved as well. So that's great news. Okay, we'll hear more on the other side. Sounds like it's time to take a break. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.
found that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
right, welcome back to New World Order Info. I'm Melissa Roxanne, and you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. And it is my live show tonight on Monday, July 25th, 2016. And uh, I noticed that I had a question in the chat room about asparagus, since that was what I was talking about uh, before the break. And someone did say, let's see, what here. Um, I was consuming large amounts of raw asparagus due to information sent my way for a short time. And my observation was that it made my urine smell like raw sewage. I looked it up and discovered it is a common sense. And is that just part of the detoxification process? So, you know, I answered and said that asparagus contains a sulfurous compound called mercaptan, which is also found in rotten eggs, onions, and garlic. When your digestive system breaks down mercaptan, byproducts are released that cause the strange smell. And, you know, asparagus is really something good. It contains glutathione, which is a potent antioxidant, and that's well known for its detoxifying properties. And it's a good source of fiber, folate, iron, vitamins A, C, E, and K. It's a natural diuretic and a beneficial food for those with high blood pressure and other heart-related conditions, but always check with your doctor, your licensed medical practitioner, etc., and do the research about all these things, um, or your vet when it comes to your animals. And it contains inulin, which is a prebiotic, which helps support the beneficial bacteria in our gut. And I've read that it's also... Asparagus is also one of the foods on the list of 15 foods. You don't need to buy organic, um, but I would still get the organic kind, you know, or grow it myself organically if, if I wanted to use it, you know. So, you know, it's a relatively clean, nutrient-dense, and low-carb, so it's a really good, you know, vegetable. And four ounces of asparagus is only two, 22 calories, and two grams of net carbs and two and a half grams of fiber. It's a non-starchy vegetable, and it's low on the glycemic load index, too. It will make your urine smell, probably, and according to Carolyn O'Neill on WebMD, researchers believe that during digestion, the vegetable sulfurous amino acids break down into smelly chemical components in all people. Within 15 minutes of eating asparagus, the odor can be present. So if your urine smells after consuming it, rest assured you are normal. However, scientists from the Monell Center used complex sensory testing in a study to show that about 8% of the subjects tested did not have smelly urine, while 6% could not smell the odor. One person did not produce the odor and was unable to smell it. So the center found that the inability to smell asparagus odor was linked to a genetic variation within a family of olfactory receptors. The variation in gene is apparently the reason why about one-third of people can smell the sulfurous urine while the rest of the population can't. So 
It's interesting that one of the benefits of asparagus is that it offers kidney and bladder cleansing support. And most anyone can use occasional kidney cleansing, especially those with lower back pain from a variety of conditions. But check with your doctor about all these things or your vet for your animals. And do the research, of course. So that's a little bit more about asparagus. And if you want to know, you know, pretty much the best information about all kinds of vegetables and fruit juices and their uses for healing all kinds of health problems and keeping, you know, oneself healthy. Um, there are books that I have covered on my show about these things. And I grabbed the wrong one, of course, so I'll probably grab it at the next break and let you know um, if it's here in my studio. Hopefully it is, but Anyway, I've covered a lot about different vegetables and fruit juices and their uses, you know, in previous shows and about juicing. And so I'll give you some more information later on during my show about that. Okay. And I did tell you about bean pods, kidney bean pods on the last show. So there's a lot of really good information on my last show. If you'd like to go to our audio archives at theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com and then just look for my show in the audio archives. Just go to audio archives and click on that link and then look for New World Order Info with Melissa Roxanne and then you can download the show from last, wasn't last week, it was the week before, but I believe, yeah, I don't even remember what show was replayed, but anyway, you can go hear that in the audio archives and get the latest show that I did. And it was all about kidney and bladder, you know, problems and all kind of things and kidney bean pods and how to prepare a tea from the pods of the kidney beans that have healed many people. So it's really great information. And you can, you know, go hear the show, save it to your hard drive or whatever. If you do download the show to your hard drive, make sure and rename the show. So the date on that last show would have been, I believe, um, July 11th, 2016. So if that's the one here in the audio archives, that would have been my latest show because I had technical issues last week and I wasn't able to be on live. So um, I did, however, I looked up some stuff about... I, you know, there was things about kidney beans, pods, and different remedies that I found online. Um, this is something that's not really about kidney bean pods that I came across, but it's about French bean. Um, and it looks like green beans to me. And I know there's those French-style green beans that I've seen in cans and stuff that people use. Um, so it's not really exactly a kidney bean pod, but it is a bean pod. It's just a, a green bean pod called a French bean, and it's also known as Phaseolus vulgaris. And um, I'll, I'll just read you a little bit about what it says about this. It says, um, the common bean, Phaseolus vulgaris, is one of the most important members of the 
the Bachi family of plants found worldwide. The green bean pods are cooked as a vegetable, and some varieties are stored dry, then rehydrated before cooking. Leaves are occasionally used as a salad. Bean pods are believed to be helpful in obesity and weight loss programs, as well as obesity-related diseases such as diabetes mellitus type 2 and heart disease. And that's the bean pods, not the beans, but the bean pods. And we're talking green beans and French green beans, actually, the pods from those. Bean pods are also commonly believed to have antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, so when you're inflamed, you have swelling, etc. Uh, antioxidant, antiparasitic, so they get rid of parasites. Antiviral, so they're good for viral infections and they're good for bacterial infections, bad bacteria. Cleansing and detoxifying. Diuretic, meaning it increases urination and gets rid of excess water in the body. Emollient, which means they're, you know, it's moisturizing and gas-relieving properties. Those are bean pods. So that could probably go for probably all bean pods, I would think. And so these uses have been tested in humans or animals. Safety and effectiveness have not always been proven. Some of these conditions are potentially serious and should be evaluated by a qualified healthcare pr provider. And it says, currently data on the therapeutic effect of bean pod in diabetes mellitus type 2 are lacking. Limited evidence has shown that a plant mixture containing bean pod may reduce blood sugar. More research is needed before a conclusion can be made. Um, they give it a C grade for that. But, you know, that's probably coming kind of from the medical community, so... And then there is conflicting evidence regarding the effects of bean pods on obesity or weight loss. Further well-designed studies are needed. Another C grade for that. They claim C means unclear scientific evidence for this use. Um, tradition and theory. The below uses are based on tradition, scientific theories, or limited research. They often have not been thoroughly tested in humans, and safety and effectiveness have not always been proven. Some of these conditions are potentially serious and should be evaluated by a qualified healthcare provider. There may be other proposed uses that are not listed below. This is coming from a website, not from Miracle Medicine Foods, the book that I've been going over. Okay, it says acne. These are things that the, the bean pods, and I'm guessing meaning the green bean, and in particular French green bean pods, the pods, themselves, not the beans, but the pods that they're grown in, can be good for. Acne, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, antiparasitic, antiviral, burns, carminative, cleansing impurities from the body, constipation, diarrhea, diuretic, which increases urine flow, diverticulitis, which is inflamed and infected pouches in the large intestine, Dropsy, which is swelling, dysentery, which causes severe diarrhea, eczema, which is a skin inflammation, heart diseases, hiccups, irritable bowel syndrome, itch, meaning itching, itchiness, kidney or bladder stones, postmenopausal osteoporosis, rheumatism, sciatica, sciatic nerve pain, and skin care. 
So that is a whole lot of stuff that, you know, have been, these have been traditionally used for the, the bean pods of the French green beans. And it says dosing adults 18 years and older. In general, the typical dose of bean pod is one cup of tea taken by mouth several times daily, prepared by simmering two and a half grams of bean pods in 150 milliliters of boiling water for 10 to 15 minutes, and then straining the liquid not to exceed 5 to 15 grams of bean pod daily. For weight loss, 3,000 alpha amylase inhibitor units, AAIU, daily from phase 2 have been taken by mouth for 30 days. Phase 2, 1,500 milligrams, has been taken by mouth twice daily for 8 weeks and 1,000 milligrams of fractionated white bean extract has been taken by mouth twice daily for 4 weeks. Children under 18 years old, there is no proven safe or effective dose. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.